Well, one of the good things to say about this one is it's mostly shot in the light, so... Brands like, listen, asking me to be the Stark in Winterfell is like asking your breakfast cereal to turn in a flipping symphony. It's not going to happen. Here's a bit of the episode that, this is the bit that really angered me. Really made me furious. Fucking Bronze Yon Roy survived. <laughs> um, someone who does fantastic drunk, even better than Tyrion, is Tormund. Oh, Tormund. He made me want to go for a drinking holiday in Norway. That's how much I was enjoying his performance. Hello and welcome to Shark Live Royal. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. It's time for episode four of Game of Thrones. Um, this one's called The Last of the Starks. This, uh, I have to tell you, when I saw that come up as the, as the, um, the, uh, the episode name, I was like, for fuck's sake, guys, are you going to have an episode full of dragons and dead things and whites and so on last time and six people die and then this time every single Stark in this series is going to die? <laughs> that seems a little bit weird to me. Yeah, I kind of thought, <clears throat> oh no, Stark death on the way. Yeah, absolutely. But And so I suppose we should discuss whether the fact that no Stark death was forthcoming, spoilers, um, <laughs> whether that's disappointing or not, whether that's in keeping with the making of this show or not. Hmm. We shall get into it. Um, if you want to send yeah. your own thoughts in, we know we've got some three days at the end. Sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can find us on Twitter as well. Of course you can, at Sharkliveroyal. Um, now, the last episode was sort of, I mean, I think we enjoyed, but we had some sort of issues with. Um, mostly, there were reservations. Mostly there how were, bright there it was. There were fairly tightly held reservations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely how bright it was. But also the whole thing about, like, I don't understand why you're telling the story the way you're telling it. And there's just this sense throughout the episode of, like, things just sort of spinning off their axis a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not in a plot way, just in a, the fuck is going on type mm-hmm. way. Um, which, for me, sort of broadly continued in this episode, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it, I'm sure, because it's, cause it's blow by blow, but... Yeah, well, one of the good things to say about this one is it's mostly shot in the light, so hey, no issues there. They, they, <laughs> they, they heard my angry thigh hammering last time and did indeed <laughs> turn the lights on. Yeah, now I, I'll, I'll put cards on the table straight away. I really enjoyed this episode, and mm. I, um, I've got a feeling that I'm sort of not in the minority, but there is a sizable, look, looking online, there's a sizable portion of people who, don't, who didn't particularly like it. Um, I think some of the issues are, are down to things that are starting to occur as we're wrapping up and uh, maybe a little inevitable and other things that could have been avoided. But I'm sure we'll get into it. But in general, I I, we will. I really liked it because I felt like it was a return to what Game of Thrones was good at seasons ago, which is sort of the interpersonal relationships and stuff again. The intrigue, um, yeah. We, we start... I, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say, I think I've, I've noticed a lot of negative feeling about it online. I didn't have terribly strong negative feelings about it, but I definitely didn't have strong positive feelings about it either. And that's what I'm sort of noticing that I don't think there's a, on, the consensus on the last episode was, yeah, Wicked, he's dead, but turn the lights on was pretty much, I think, what everybody <laughs> was saying about the last one. Um, well done indeed. Next time with lights. Um, but uh, this one, there's a lot of different negative opinions about it. And I'm sort of interested to know whether that's a reflection of just 
the makers of the show having lost the trust of their audience, or if they really did do 18 different things wrong in this episode just to tread on each individual toe of each individual fan group in turn. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see it, but I'm also curious to hear the sort of the, the cheerleaders uh, account of it from, from your seats, because yeah, I I've, feel like that's a... Yeah, got, yeah I've got my pleated skirt and pompons out, ready for it. So, God, intro. Fucking, you can't just blow past that. That's, I'm going to... I'm sitting here traumatised now. I can't get past that image. Um, so, the best thing is just to move straight on. So the no, I'm the not in- fucking kidding. No, best thing would have been not to say it. But here we are. Here we are. The um, the the <laughs> intro. The, these these tiles have stopped, obviously, because the Night King's kaput. So we just yep. have this sort of. He's done. There's in the not that it's obviously the titles are two parts at the moment: the North and the South. So you basically get Winterfell mm. and then King's Landing, and the North's kind of there's a fair bit of devastation weaved into it now you know that when you go into winterfell <clears throat> the great hall's all messed up and um the crypts are, yeah. are all messed up as well so it shows sort of how the story's changed a bit further yeah um, yeah yeah the battle damage we, we open up with sort of a memorial for the dead if you like you've got um sajora where i think that's strong about that you can see all the bits of his armor where the knife's gone through which i thought was quite yeah. like yeah um, chilling uh, yeah, very much. You got Theon where Sansa puts this wolf pin in his uh, uh, to him just to sort of make him a, again like a show, an honorary star because he died. And who, in death. who amongst us was not tearing up at that moment? I have oh, to yeah. say, like the the completeness of that arc. Even mm. though Sansa, I don't know. I feel like they've traded a little bit on. Like I see why Sansa would have very strong feelings for Theon and why the, you know this is the only man she's really been able to trust and who sacrificed himself for her rather than asking her to do the other way around, and so on. It's all very moving. Um, but I haven't seen any of that until he walked... Like, they jumped off a castle together, and then three seasons later, he walked into the room, and mm. suddenly she found the milk of human kindness. And I feel it felt a little bit peremptory to me. Um, oh, well, there was that bit um, with the dogs, remember, where um, they're getting chased, and he sort of gives himself up so she can get away. Oh, okay. We yeah. we, we were distracted most of those by scenes. It. I was already halfway out of, to be honest, because I was like, I don't think you're going to do anything with the plot here. And hands in the air, I was wrong. Even though the plot in question was one you were going to wait, make me wait four years to to see pay off. Yeah. They did have a plan. We, we were also distracted yeah. by where, where did the dogs go in that bit. So I think. Oh I- yeah, where did the? <laughs> well, well, now that's an interesting little continuity problem because it raises a continuity problem that I had around all of these different bodies that are here right because well because so um the big sort of fulcrum moment of the battle in the last episode was big attack big fight back basically kill the army of the dead but then the knight's king gives it his old come at me crow thing you know just slowly raising his hands whilst looking Jon snow straight in the eyes and they all raise again right yeah before that point Lyanna Mormont was dead. Right? Yeah. She died before that happened, which means that she should have been raised as a white, which means that she should have turned into ice cubes when the Night's King was stabbed. No, because they all just fell into bits, didn't they? Well, no, I, I think what happened was the, the White Walkers sort of do the ice cube thing and everybody else just sort of falls to the ground. Because I remember the dragon is like about to finish off John. And then the yeah. thing sort of disappears and it just, the body just flops to the ground. So I think the whites just sort of fall over. And Isn't just, that what we... just bodies again. 
That's uh, cool. Fair enough. But didn't we see? Wasn't the whole reveal about if you kill a White Walker, then you kill the whites that they created? Um, thing like two seasons ago, or whatever. Wasn't that whole reveal about you stab the white with the, the sorry the white walker with the Valyrian steel and it goes to ice cubes and then all the white walkers just turn to whatever their constituent clothes were like didn't they disappear as well? Oh, I can't remember. I think the I think the ones with the like the skeleton ones do. Maybe because maybe it's sorry it's the force that's holding them together just dissipates. So if you uh. if you if you're re, if you're quite fresh, then you just sort of <laughs> all the Recently there's no dead, you just, just sort of, dead, yeah you just yeah. flop over. But if you basically a collection of bones being held together by some sort of macabre sort of magic. <laughs> you just yeah. explode. Just turn to dust. <laughs> Ashes yeah. to ashes, dust to dust now. Dust, <laughs> seriously, dust. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, okay, all right, fair enough. If that's the case, then all right. But um, but yeah, my wife and I were sitting watching this going, hang on a minute, where's, how's she there? How's she not turned into a thousand little bits of crushed ice yeah yeah i saw a couple of other tweets about that as well um but yeah there she is um john is the one to sort of burn the pyre that she's on um there's dolores ed's pyre gets burned by sam beric's pyre burned by Arya. so you get sort of these little individual yeah. connections as well um yeah. i thought the most important one was just the i thought the the sense of sort of grief from daenerys was really well done i think amelia clark yes. was really good at that um yeah. and it, you really got that I don't know. I, I, throughout this episode, I was struck by how Sejora is kind of like, is one of those. It's like a, it's like a Claude Makélélé defensive midfielder. It's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those guys who you don't really realize is that important until he's not there, and then it's like, oh shit, actually. He's holding yeah, he a was lot doing of some up. really quite important stuff. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. her like Daenerys's temperament. Increasingly, especially in the last season, and through because he goes so far back with her, he was really important in advising her. She trusts him more than any of the others. Yeah, yeah, and and well, that sort of touches a little bit upon the um, uh, the uh, a comment from a friend, a friend of mine made um, on Facebook a little bit earlier on, which I think I'll read later on. But like whether Daenerys kind of spinning off the hinges. In the way that, in the way that we're invited to see her as doing in this episode, I'm not wholly sold on the idea that that's what's happening. Mm. Um, but um, this episode is basically sort of Danny goes nuts to a certain extent, and I'm not. Yeah, like I, I, uh, I think we, we should read uh, this comment out later. I think it's got a lot, of, a lot of important things to say. Mm. But the the whole thing about Sajura dying is quite an interesting point, um, because. Yeah, because it's kind of, um, he has humanised. Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? The suggestion that what you need is somebody nearby to humanise you if you're a queen. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sort of on the balance between whether that is reasonable, given her experience, or or not. And if it's not, then on what basis has she seen herself as the breaker of chains? You hmm. know what I mean? If she's not the breaker of chains because of the, you know, fundamental... It's it's fundamentally good for people to be free and to be treated well. Then, is it just Jorah that's caused her to be carrying that whole identity around with her this whole time? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably yeah as we get towards yeah. the, the the change in her um, nature through the episode, we'll, we'll get yeah. a bit further into that. I think we're going to this this feast. That sort of this is like almost every wake I've ever been to. It starts quiet and ends raucous. 
it gets it is off the chain isn't it yeah by the end um gendry gets a promotion he gets storm's end becomes a lord daenerys does the old sort of fake out she sort of she sort of calls him out and says your 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 family did this that and the other and gendry's thinking am i about to get like executed and she gives him she gives him storm's end obviously to sort of show that she's a you know benevolent leader and obviously yeah. get him on get get some extra build some extra loyalty as well. Um, yeah. What do you think about this? Well, so I couldn't work out if I resented this because I kind of wanted the battle against you know this nameless ancient evil to have been the uh, the culmination of the of the whole show hmm. and so now as i feel it clicking back towards as you say that sort of personality based power politics there's a bit of me that's like oh, i want <laughs> or whether it was just really canny politics that i just sort of needed to get alongside if you know what i mean like and just sort of enjoy what was happening hmm. um i thought it was i mean to a certain extent it's smart um Although on the other hand, I do sort of wonder a bit whether it was whether this was done for any reason other than the scene that follows it, where he goes, "Right now, I can propose to Arya," and mm. Arya's going to turn him down. Because yeah. um, I can't really see Gendry. Be- it's a smart move for Daenerys because you know she's got you know Storm's End is hers forever now, mm. um, and it's a good thing. Big castle, you know, potential. Yeah, it's, it's launched. It's launched a rebellion against the throne once, mm. um, and. So you know, sort of makes sense. She she was she was born abroad as a result of a rebellion from Storm's End. So you know, wicked, canny move. Um, but I'm also a bit wondering what Gendry's going to be like as a lord. Do you know what I mean? Because he's not one of his most appealing character traits is that he doesn't give it. You know, I'm the big I am. You know yeah. what I mean? He's he's very humble and very hardworking, and that's what he does there are worse characteristics in a leader i suppose but i do yeah. sort of wonder how he's going to feel about you know having liege lords and all the rest of it whether he's just going to be like oh, i don't know live your life i don't need you to yeah great yeah fealty fantastic carry on mate i don't mind yeah. you know what i mean like whether he's going to be doing that he's going to need an advisor a good one um it, i mean exactly yeah yeah um we we sort of i think the hound agrees with you insofar as like everyone's doing the toasts and stuff, and he's just sitting, continue to eat. Like this is so much bullshit. Um, yeah. Then we move over to Davos, who's sort of processing some stuff because he's looking into the fire and he's talking about what happened to Melisandre and about the Lord of Light. And he's basically, I, I like this moment because Davos is like has for the last few seasons seen the Lord of Light, the Red God, Melisandre as this evil force, and he's yeah. trying to sort of get to grips with the fact that it played a part in saving everybody and maybe it was a force for good in the end but does it cancel out the fact that it killed Shireen and what yeah. why is it just it, and now it's done it just seems to have disappeared and I, and I think that is going to be the case I think the whole yeah. Red God stuff ends with the Night King here that sort of part yeah. of the story is over and he's left yeah. sort of wondering how to deal with all that well what the fuck yeah, yeah. exactly and and it's it sort of parallels what um Oh man, I forget which character it is. Says it this time, but basically, was it Sansa? You know, oh yeah, everything that went wrong led me to this. Yeah, kind of thing. So it is this 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 sense of people wrestling with the meaning of events and the meaninglessness of events. 
and that's particularly kind of enhanced for, for Sir Davos because he's like, right, so there was an entire religion based around this, which turns out to have been meaningless, except in the very specific context of killing this thing. Hmm. Um, you know, that struggle's quite interesting, I suppose. Um, but I did also, as a sort of meta thing as well, for me as a viewer of the show, there's quite a lot in the next 20 minutes of this TV series that I was watching going, oh, this is that supposed to be the goodbye? Because that's rubbish. Mm. Like, is that like, is this, is Melisandre turning up out of the darkness, giving us some proper tension and, you know, successfully lighting a match? That's what the whole Red God storyline was for. In Mm. much the same way as I only really feel like Arya doing what she did made the entire Faceless Men storyline worth what it was, what it was for. Um, uh, I read something online about like, um, uh, it was a writer saying, when you do this sort of thing, this long build-up stuff, mm. what you're basically doing is borrowing against your certainty that you can make the payoff worth it. Like, yeah. you're, 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 you know, this tension you're buying now is you're buying it with money that you have to earn later by having a proper payoff. And there was a lot of stuff with everybody going their separate ways in a, a couple of scenes' time. And with this, and again, this Red God thing where I was like, is that what we get? Because it didn't land for me, to be honest. Mm. It didn't. It didn't feel, albeit that Melisandre played a very important part in the battle and had a great final shot. Mm. I'm still not sure it was worth all of that stuff and all of the unanswered questions and all of the everything about it. Mm. Um, I don't know. What do you think, though? Am I just being harsh there? Am I just sort of wanting my hand held through a narrative? Um, I mean, I thought, yeah, the whole. I mean, the 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 Red God, the whole point of it being there to act as a counterweight to the sort of the stuff from the north the night king i thought mm. yeah i thought it kind of it neatly makes sense that that sort of the whole red religion ends there because that's its whole point so you know beric dies finally saving Arya because she's going to be the one to kill the night king melisandre yeah. dies afterwards because her whole point of living this long is, is sort of now been fulfilled um yeah i thought it i thought it kind of made made sense that but i do think there are a couple of other a couple of other strands that maybe yeah don't end quite as um yeah quite as well as uh, as they could have done and that is the big challenge with a, a series that goes on for so long and sort of does these builds over 10 seasons or 8 seasons that yeah the payoff is it's almost impossible to pay off um satisfactorily because you've done so because you've been looking forward to it for so long i think that's probably in a meta sense a lot of the 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 problems that the show's having in the, in its last season because everybody's been so excited about how it will finish for so long and i think everyone's created a very clear idea in their own mind about how they'd like to see it finish and if it isn't finishing that way then that's when people start sort of turning on the show because for the last seven seasons you could say oh it's not it's not going the way i'd like but i reckon it'll come round at the end well that's that's not something you can say anymore so if you're very very invested in ending a certain way and it's clearly yeah. not going to do that yeah you're not going to be happy <clears throat> yeah i don't i i feel that's true and i think there is an extent to which it's like you not everybody can get what they want and Ending TV series, The Sopranos is always the best example of this, where you end it in a way which makes a thematic point that you want to make, mm. rather than in a way which kind of fulfills what people may have been looking for in terms of 
plot and characters and so on. And maybe that is the only way there is to do it. Maybe that's the only thing you can do to really sort of close it out. Mm. Um, and of course, we don't know how they're going to close it out. But it, it did feel to me a bit like we've been we've been asked through the way the story's been told at great, great length to care about some things, which come the end of it, they're just going, yeah, well, that was that. And that's not... Maybe that is the thematic point they're making. You know, maybe, maybe you know, the the idea of Game of Thrones ending, ending in hugging and learning probably isn't realistic and reasonable, but I still, there's a bit of me watching this that is like, there's a lot of shit being discarded in this episode, just as sort of like... Right, it served its purpose to get us to a battle scene we didn't see, mm. um, which wasn't wasn't whelming enough to be impressive all by itself and justify all those threads by itself. Um, but yeah, then maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, 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 but it just feels a little bit undercooked. Mm. And to loop it back around on the stuff that they are seeming to loop it back around on just feels a bit unexciting to me. Um, Tyrion says. Uh, this quote that I think pretty much defines the episode and probably the next three episodes where he says, yeah. um, you know, we may have defeated them, we still have us to contend with. Um, yeah. Yeah. He has a chat yeah. with Bran um, who makes it clear that he doesn't want to be the top dog in the North because he's the three-eyed crow. Um, Tyrion's, still, <laughs> Tyrion's still not got to grips with what that means until this ep- till this scene, I don't think. Um, yeah. But he's basically... I love that. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just thinks of it as Bran's basically got a lot of reading done and has become basically as perspicacious <laughs> as, as Tyrion. And Bran's like, listen, asking me to be the Stark in Winterfell is like asking your breakfast cereal to turn in a flipping symphony. It's not going to happen. The yeah. context is incorrect. You don't want me in charge of this shit. I am currently reliving something that happened with the Fist of the First Men a long, long time ago. You don't want me there. You don't, <laughs> This is not... I'm not management material. I think, I think um, Bran is one of those ones where I do agree that it's in danger of being a, a big letdown, the sort of, yeah. his whole arc, because it feels like he's, because he's the Night King's done now, and that was what he was all about. He's fading yeah. away now. He's like, he's not really yeah. interested. There's a couple of points here where, the bit where John's deciding whether to tell Sansa and Arya that, about his true parents. And For Br- fuck's Br- sake, Br- by the way. <laughs> Bran, Sorry. Yeah, we'll and Bran's like, it. hands up. Uh don't give a toss. Tell him if you want. Do or don't. You know. So <laughs> that's it. Like, 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 omni omniscience adds up to don't give a toss. Yeah, in cer- Bran Stark. Doesn't yeah, it? Cer- certainly on this sort of stuff. On like the interpersonals. He his whole the only thing he wanted was to survive the Night King, and he's done that. And it feels like his arc's almost over. But that feels like it was a it was a lot of screen time for him to go all the way north come all the way back just to basically be bait for the night king and then that was it yeah um, so i don't know if, I, I don't know if there's extra that he's going to get or if there's going to be something else he does but i'd feel like yeah, yeah. if it doesn't if he does nothing else now if this is the end for sort of brand's story mm. I, I think that may be one of the strands that i don't think quite lived up to its sort of justified its build itself up. Mm. yeah well i mean we've already sort of had this haven't we i mean maybe i have a sort of creeping sense of horror that you know, they let Hodor be Hodor for four, six seasons before it turned out to be thirty seconds of screen time at the end of one episode. To keep oh, I like that. I thought I thought the Hodor thing was brilliant. Okay, oh, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think it was brilliant. I don't. I wasn't hugely disappointed by it because I still felt like the the narrative had a purpose. But if if the purpose of that was to keep Bran alive, and the purpose of keeping Bran alive was to have him to same. So, 
have him say something nice to Theon, give him an end moment, and then sit there as bait for the bait for the Night King. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it does feel a little bit undercooked. But then again, I'm not sure what I would think properly cooked would look like mm. in this sort of breadth of of of, uh, of characters and events and world and all the rest of it. Maybe there isn't any way of ending it in a way that's satisfying. Mm. But um, yeah. Here's a bit of the episode that this is the bit that really angered me, really yeah. made me furious. Fucking Bronze Yon Roy survived. <laughs> he's standing there, bold as brass. Doesn't seem to have so much as a scratch on him. I think he spent the entire battle on his, like just on hiding in, in the secondary crypts where there was sort of like no, <laughs> no zombies. It. That's it. The crypt full of, sh- of character shields and no bodies. <laughs> But yeah, he. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. And I, I, yeah. I, I do think it's kind of hilarious how he's such a this like he's this massive blowhard, and yeah. he's been given it sort of the big one in his in his big <laughs> plate mail for the last few seasons, and then the actual battle, he's nowhere he's to be seen. <laughs> and then and then the, then the very next scene where everyone's celebrating their survival, he's banging in the middle of it again. <laughs> yeah, no, and he's giving it everything. It's um. Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a very very excellent. That is a very very excellent point. Like he's just he's there and he hasn't taken his armor off. That's the thing, isn't it? He's been walking around fully armored up. <laughs> he could not more clearly have been going. I've got you know. It's it's like somebody who learns karate from YouTube and then goes around wearing a black belt the entire time, isn't it? It's like yeah, very impressive. But let's see what it's like when you're actually in a fight. Oh, <laughs> nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Yeah, um, everybody else is getting very drunk. You got Tyr- Tyrion and Jamie and Brienne playing the uh, the drinking game, which which is a callback to series one, I think, which I, I thought was was quite nice. Tyrion does great sort of drunk face as well. He does a really good. <laughs> yeah, that's that is very true. Although I, I found it a bit weird to have to roll back to like drunk capering Tyrion a little bit. You know what I mean? Where mm. like in the first series, his whole purpose was to be miserable and sardonic and now he's he's traveled the length of the world he's you know hand of the queen he's done all of this stuff and and tamed a dragon and all of that and yet he's still like when he sits down for a drink he's like kind of nothing means anything i see into your soul you know (laughs) Mm. i think there's something interesting happening with Tyrion that he's obviously changed a lot but also it feels like he's regressing a bit towards his old self in that mm. he's he's not really sure what to do about Daenerys. He's had a lot of setbacks in the last couple of seasons. Every yeah. call he makes seems to go wrong. And yeah. the fact that he's starting to drink heavily again, various oh. remarks on it later on, it does yeah. feel like his, sort of, his abilities aren't... I think his high watermark was sort of when he was running King's Landing and then when he was sort of to a lesser extent when he was running Marine. But um, it feels like he's kind of getting a, feeling a little lost now and um, not sure what to do. And I think this is a sign of that. Um, mm. Someone who does fantastic drunk, even better than Tyrion, is Tormund. And he's, uh, <laughs> oh, these, Tormund! Oh, he made me bits. want to go for a drinking holiday in Norway. That's how much I was enjoying his performance. <laughs> I love it. Every, every time he shouts, his wine goes everywhere. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's like, that's the purpose of wine at these moments is to go fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sort of full Did on, I... full on bromance with John as well. He's just he's regaling everyone about how he saw John ride the dragon. And everyone's like, yeah, we saw yeah. him too. No, 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 I, I no, saw I, him. I saw it. It's so good, isn't it? And like. And just like 
precise. I mean, it's hard to remember how badass the like he was and terrifying he was early on in the series because because he's kind of they found a a rich vein of comedy and they've had him mine it you know um because he is really great screen presence but back in like it's so impressive that john this kind of weedy southerner to this guy is Mm. um has impressed him this much and i just love that he's now bought in for life he's like john snow is the fucking bollocks and i will yell at anybody wind up or otherwise (laughs) about how brilliant he is for bring me my horn, I need to talk more about how great Jon Snow is. And the best bit about it is that Jon Snow is exactly the sort of bloke that finds it all a little bit embarrassing and is just like, yeah, yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I did, did do that, didn't I? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, moving on. Like, I just, I love that Jon Snow is not the, I mean, you know, Roose Bolton in that position. Well, Roose Bolton would have risked his own skin, but he would have been absolutely fucking loving it. He would have been drinking it up. <laughs> and that's why he would never get that sort of respect from... Um, from uh, the guy in the first place. Yeah. Did I tell you, by the way, I might have mentioned this on a previous cast. Apologies if I have. But I was in... Um, I, I was in... Uh, I family in central Canada, um, which is very flat farm country. is, And we were staying in a hotel uh, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, and I'm in the lift going up to our room. And um, there's like a promotional poster for the Holiday Inn or somebody's, like, somebody's rewards scheme. And they've only fucking employed this guy, the guy, the the guy that plays Tormund, to, as like the happy-go-lucky face of this like this award scheme thing. And I just love that like Game of Thrones fame has turned into him in an impeccable electric blue suit and perfect ginger hair, giving it the old wink and the gun for a small poster on the on the inside of a motel elevator. In central Canada, I, I was that was like everybody gets a little taste of the fame, don't they? <laughs> yours is there. Yeah. Um. We cut to this Daenerys looking around the room and just realizing, <clears throat> sort of how this massive battle has has left her a little isolated. She's nom- She's sort of in name <clears throat> the the queen and the leader of all these yeah. people, but none yeah. of them are really loyal primarily to her. She looks at. Tyrion, her yeah. hand, who's sitting with Jamie and Brienne, and obviously he's yeah. he's sort of his heart's really over there. You've got John yeah. and Tormund and the Wildlings, and all gathered around him, saying how great he is, and no one's really talking to Daenerys. And, my, and th- this is the kind of thing that it did make me realise as she's looking around. Of all the people who lost out here, she by far lost out the most. She she sort of yeah. Her unsullied got flat, got hammered. Dothraki got hammered. Um, she lost Jorah, uh, and if you look at the other groups, at the other like main deaths and the other yeah. sort of power factions, if you like, the the wildlings okay, is kind of red shirts only, isn't it? And they are, and then they're all loyal to John. The Northerners it's kind of red shirts only, and they're all like really close with John. The sort of the Riverlands is red shirts only, and they're all really again much more closer to obviously Sansa, and yeah. it seems like the majority of the sort of the hit was taken by Daenerys, and yeah. she's not got many people looking to her, and yeah. I think I think this is another example where Sejora would have been a key person sitting next to her, saying, "Oh, yeah. this is okay for this, that, and the other," and she yeah. she she just feels she's looking around, and I got this real sense of vulnerability from her and how she realizes she's she's not got 
the sort of loyalty that she was hoping for by coming north. That's dead interesting and absolutely true. And I think, and obviously, you know, that's that's supposed to set up a sense of resentment towards John and you know, Tormund giving the full sort of Beowulf, you know, poetic recitement with extra drinking of all of his <laughs> magnificent war achievements. You know, is in in a in a in a society where misogyny is is specifically identified as a major forming force later in the episode. You know, that's clearly supposed to set up. Danny feeling insecure, and um, and I, I I have real questions about whether that's whether that's a decent place to take the story. You know, it feels logical only in so far as you you set up these two people, and then clearly you need a way to turn them against each other. Mm. Um, but if that's all it is, that does feel like selling Daenerys a little bit short as a as a as a complex character. Mm. Um. But I do think it could be reflective of the politics of the thing, right? Because John's got all of this personal loyalty. You know, people are not loyal to him because he's the king in the north or the the warden of the north. They're just loyal to him because he's Jon Snow. You know mm. what I mean? They're not... It's, you know, it, it helps that he is the warden in the north. But he... They're loyal to him because... Tormund's loyal to him because he's seen him do all this spectacular shit. And um, the North is loyal to him because he came back from the dead and fought off the White Walkers and all the rest of it. Despite doing fuck all last episode by the way like not ending up doing anything of any significance at all hmm. um uh but Daenerys doesn't have the personal loyalty of these different groups that have been properly sketched for us she's got the personal she's got like armies but not a feudal system hmm. um and that's quite interesting to me this um, is the, that maybe I, that's it i thought part this is sort of one of the reasons why maybe she should have brought someone like Dario over as well another person who would have been like entirely loyal to mm, yeah. her yeah 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 i think you're right there actually i think that would have been quite interesting but but it all went to shit in marine didn't it like she's just about got out there with her two armies and the shirt on her back yeah um that, yeah. so like so she's not like she was kind of on a sort of make friends and influence people tour of essos mm. <laughs> she was far more a how how long do i have to be here in order to get out and go back to westeros tour yeah um and hasn't come back with a lot of allies i don't know how how realistic we should consider that to be i suppose but yeah i like the fact that the only person who's sort of close to her it's like various just sort of slides into her dms like as, as she's looking <laughs> yeah. around oh uh, goodness yeah and shannon's sitting there on the on the sofa just giving uh just giving it kind of oh that's very bad yeah varus <laughs> is not to be trusted and it's interesting to me that because varus has kind of been out of the spotlight for a while i used to really dislike him now i'm like yeah okay cool can can nice one <laughs> nice one um just because i know that he's there for the realm rather than for particular royal families and all of that sort of thing and I'm, i i find that quite admirable yeah um but i did also find it a bit weird that varus is the guy who's like kind of like tell me your troubles and mm. she goes for it you know yeah. or rather we don't we don't know what she goes for yeah, but he's the only one there. The only other two would have been Mercendi and Grey, Grey Worm. I assume they're just off somewhere getting busy. Well, shagging. Yeah. For a given value of shagging. Yeah. Um, um, brilliant, so, yeah. Someone who's never been shagging, it turns out. Tyrion says to Brienne, you're a virgin, as part of the calling out what's what drinking yeah. game. And that causes yeah. her to leave. And yeah. um, Jamie eventually follows her. But uh, not yeah, Jamie, not be- and it causes Jamie to think I'm on here, yeah. and not yeah. bef- not before he blocks off Tormund. He sort of 
he sort of comes over and does his grand proposition. Oh, it's so the best thing about this is he comes over, does his grand proposition. She leaves. He gets shut down by Jamie, and then it's a sort of like there's a little mini scene with Pod, and then we smash straight to like Tom and Teary going, "She broke my heart," and he's saying, (laughs) and then the the camera zooms out, and he's speaking to the hound, and he just the hound's face is just like (laughs) horror. It's like, why are you talking? It's hilarious. (laughs) Of all the people you could have chosen to drunkenly go and pour your heart out to the hound <laughs> are you kidding you're kidding give me a cuddle fuck off um no i mean again it's played for laughs and again the guy plays it absolutely beautifully but i have to tell you i was i i ship flipping tormund and brienne far more <laughs> than i ship brienne and jamie even before jamie does the mo the thing that angered me most in this episode um which he does later on yeah. But even before that, I was like, kind of, Brienne, come on, look at him with yeah. his big old scraggly beard and his honesty of purpose. You know, yeah. you go and have go and have chilly sex with him forever. It'd be amazing. Well, the heart wants what it wants, Dave. This is it. That's absolutely true. What so- it wants is incestuous psychopaths. <laughs> um, these these girls come over um, and sort of proposition Pod and Tom and. And the hound who's not interested in it. Now, I've, yeah. I've, I saw an interesting interpretation of this. There's nothing really on screen to suggest it's true. But um, yeah. I thought it was quite a cool idea. Is that these girls are working for Sansa in the same way that Littlefinger had girls working for him. And it's something she's uh, learned. Oh, that's quite interesting. So she's what, after so information. Like, yeah. oh, but, oh, out of Pod, though? What's Pod going to tell you? I was yeah. there. I was a badass. I will end up on the Iron Throne. You know, what's he, what, he going to say? And, it's, um, it's tight with Tyrion. I'd imagine he'll let a few things slip. Is he, though? I mean, they, they had that night at the fire, but he was mostly singing mm. rather than listening to state secrets. You know, they don't hang yeah. out together a lot, do they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe oh, you could be right. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, like I say, that, but... there's, there's nothing really on screen to suggest it's true, but I thought it would be quite a nice little parallel. Um, yes, yeah, so, very much, yeah. Sansa does sit down and talk to the hound and it shows how much she's changed in that he tries to, he basically says a few things to her that would have like made her really upset seasons ago and she just sort yeah. of smiles and then talks about Rolls how she him. murdered Ramsay. <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting that, that the hound sort of really likes her for that and yeah. it's a shame that that is what it's come to with Sansa, but that we are where we are, aren't we? And she's, she is a much yeah. stronger person, she says, um, Yeah. as a result of the experiences she's been through. There was a bit of criticism yeah. online saying that wouldn't be what yeah. anyone would ever say about the stuff that she's suffered. But um, yeah. I, I think I, it's hard to say either way unless you've sort of had first experience of that. Well, I mean, that's very true. And obviously I'll listen to anybody who wants to tell me that that's bollocks based on their own experience like that 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 seems to me to be very important i think the um i also given that thankfully that's that's not my experience i'm kind of left wondering whether even then wondering whether it was worth it for the sake of this sort of chime about fate and this whole thing with davos kind of you know what was the point of the red god and sansa having decided that the point of all of that was to get her where she was now you know um it's yeah i don't know i i really don't know and i think that is a i wouldn't have a problem with it It, ironically i wouldn't have a problem with it if we had more time left if we had more episodes left because it could go somewhere quite interesting and deep Mm. 
but I want it to go somewhere of some description, and it kind of probably won't. Mm. You know, so this this may this is probably the last time now that we'll hear Sansa reflect upon her horrific experience, and it sounds like she's saying it was all good because of where it brought her to, and I'm sure it's more complicated than that by character, but they haven't got any time left to dig into the depth behind that sentence. Yeah. So it's a bit... Yeah, it feels like... I definitely absolutely see how people would find that more than a bit flippant. Hmm. I like this um, I like this sliding doors style idea, though, of the Hound saying, you know, none of this would have happened to you if you'd have come with me when I said, let's leave King's Landing. And I, I made me wonder, I wonder what would have happened if she had gone with him. I, I think there's yeah. a good chance she'd have got red weddinged. Because he'd have gone. You reckon? Well, yeah, he wouldn't. It had got. It have ended up. The the hound had reached Rob a lot earlier because he wouldn't have been meandering around, looking at uh, trying to find oh, someone else. Yeah. So so she may have ended up at the phrase, and um, yeah, she she may not even be here if she'd have uh, gone with yeah, the hound. Solid. But who that's knows solid. if ifs buts yeah. and maybes. Absolutely. Um, Gendry, as you say, finds Arya. Uh, she's just. Um, Doing a bit of butt, doing a bit of archery practice as by her as, way of celebrating. As you do during the party. This is like having a house party and going upstairs and finding somebody still doing their homework, isn't it? It's like, come on! <laughs> I, thought, the... I, thought, I thought you were going to say finding someone just playing darts. <laughs> <laughs> just by themselves. I don't know, I know. I'm, I'm all about a little chill out area in any party that's going, you know, a place where you can like, have a few quiet darts and drinks, you know, I'm into that. But no, this is. This is like, to Arya, this is just what she's for now, isn't it? Is just being great at violence. And so she's the reason that there's a party at all. And she's upstairs going, got to stay on the, stay on my game. Here we go. Stay on my game. Yeah. Yeah. Also, though, I do have a question about why on earth archery practice is taking place so that the arrows are flying towards the target immediately next to the door where you enter the room. That just seems to me to be asking for trouble. That first <laughs> shot where the arrow like whizzes past uh, Gendry's nose and smacks into the target. It's like, did you not think about moving the target to the other end of the corridor, Arya? Might that not have been a better idea? Yeah. Um, I thought I liked the, the way that um, you really saw the, the change in expre- how... Maisie Williams God, expresses yeah. herself here. That when Gendry, when Gendry off. tells her the like the news that he's a lord, you can see she's genuinely like delighted for him and really happy. Yeah. And then when yeah. he when he sort of proposes, you see that as he's going into it, that sort of that like, oh, how, God, how she looks is, crushed. Yeah. Like she's gonna have to tell yeah. him that this yeah. isn't this isn't the way it's gonna be. Um yeah. I really I think the way that that she act, sort of acted this scene really made it for me and made it work. Hats off. Could not agree with you more. I thought it was it was superb. I'm very sad that that's not happening, but it is also true that the idea of Arya going off and being Lady of Anywhere is nonsense. Hmm. Like, you know, that's not what she's for. Although that does rather raise the question of what she is for. I know that she's heading down south to take out Cersei. I know that's what she wants to do. But in terms of the plot, have we put, have we did, did we do Arya Stark goes for a walk in Westeros just in order to turn her into the, the all-purpose magic... Uh, plot MacGuffin that kills all the bad guys, you know, whenever their time is ripe. Because um, if it's just Arya waltzes into this open keep and kills Cersei, then I mean, great, Cersei's dead, but that will feel more than a little bit pat, will it mm. not? Yeah, I don't think it will be. I don't think that's going to happen, but we, we uh, shall well, see. Well, we'll come to it. We'll come yeah. to it. Um, 
Brienne and Jamie. This is the drunken, the, the, the drunken sex scene, uh, which Jamie's all like super smooth, like, "Oh, it's so hot in here. Let me take my, let me take my top off, and then let me take my other top off, and then let me take your top off." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got the moves, I suppose. Although, you know, yeah, it was a bit. I don't know. I know this is what Brienne has wanted the whole time, so I'm supposed to be like, "Yeah, you know." Yeah, this is what you've chosen, and and great, um, but it felt a bit rushed, did it not? Do you know what I mean? Like, just I don't know. There was just something in right. We've had the battle. Now we've got to get them fucking, and then next episode something else will happen. It just it did like you know it didn't feel like we built to this in in any in any way. But maybe that's preposterous. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. What what would you have wanted to see different? I mean, that's an excellent question to which I do not have an answer. Maybe I'm just bitching at this point. I'm just, what I'm trying to do is put my finger on what it was precisely about this episode that left me feeling unfulfilled. Because there was something about it that made it not add up for me properly. Mm. And maybe, maybe I'm just allowing the memory of the scene later, which was bollocks. (laughs) The scene with Jamie later was bollocks. Um... To like echo back in my memory of this scene because I suppose yeah no all right fair enough I think I am that's what's happening here is that I'm so angry about what happened later with Jamie that I'm like this must have been bollocks as well even though it wasn't so uh, moving on fair yeah. yeah 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 I, I agree with you as far as I would have I'd have preferred to see it with Tormund I think that'd have been a better fit but um, that's a know, comedy spin-off happening not, right there yours, honestly so, yeah. that is yeah. till death us do part with fucking knives and I would <laughs> turn up for that series if you did it. Tormund Brienne spin-off. I am available. Hmm. <laughs> um, we then have John and Daenerys. Um, I like this bit where Daenerys comes in and John's sitting on the sort of bed and she says, "Are you drunk?" And he sort of goes, "No." And then he stands up and sort of staggers a bit. Staggers. <laughs> <laughs> and we, who amongst us can say we haven't been there? Are you drunk? <laughs> I'm fine. I, listen, you think that I don't, but I am. All yeah. of you are fine. Yeah, and so th- this turns into the, the they almost start up the relationship again, and then sort of John remembers that it's his aunt, and it's all a bit too much. And she, Daenerys, says, "Look, if if as you say, you don't want to be king, you've got to keep this secret because if you if you say if you tell people who you are, it's going to take a life of its own, and yeah. we're not going to be able to do anything about it." And yeah, I, I was sort of, I was I was fully on Daenerys's side here. I was thinking, if this is what you want, John, if you don't want to be the king, then you should do a Ned and keep this yeah. quiet and keep this quiet. Absolutely, and it was, and the parallel there is so crushing, isn't it? The fact that he not he knows what that's like, but then he also knows the bad that can come from not telling that story. You know, like. Catelyn is dead. A, lo- a large part of the early part of this war took place the way it took place because Catelyn hated him, and mm. um, and like you know he didn't have his appropriate place in his family. But mm. I'm having to do a lot of work to remember that, and uh, this this brings up as, as we continue to talk about like kind of close out storylines and that sort of thing, and, and and you know having to remember emotional things that you knew about these characters, you know, six seasons ago. Um, I do wonder if actually this isn't the right way to be watching Game of Thrones. I do wonder if what we should have done is waited till it was over and then watched it all at a sprint and whether actually it would feel a lot more immediate to us now and we would remember that John 
will feel that he can't do that because he loves his family mm. and why his family is so important to him. They did their best in this episode, but you, I just didn't feel it in the same way. Whereas Amelia Clark begging to be able to have both love and queenship um, was an incredibly, incredibly moving mm. scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that little bit where she goes all cold at the end is like, that is the only way it's going to be. If we're gonna yeah. if we're gonna actually live together, yeah. and you know when he says I want us to we can, yeah we can live together, and she says yeah we can. I've just told you how, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and she's saying right, if you're I'm your queen, then do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and it's a fair cop. Like, if he's gonna do that bending the knee nonsense, then it has to follow that he does what she says. He does what he's told. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's and and he's palpably not gonna do that and again it just feels a little bit again it feels weak maybe if I watched season two last week in the run up to this I'll really be feeling this at this point but mm. it just feels like it's not like he has a moral struggle with it it's just he decides not to do what she's asked he this whole thing about Stark men being defined by their honour and mm. then and then here is Jon Snow being faced with yet another moral dilemma which he just decides to sort of drift away from yeah um and and do the thing that's going to be quite destructive, and that doesn't work if the whole thing is he's going to do that because he's a man of honor. If mm. he's like that, then he shouldn't do that. Well, um, I, th- I think, and, that- and whereas having dug into the dilemmas with him over six episodes before, this is two flickers of the face, and it's done. Yeah, I think the only thing that's more true of John than than sort of honor is yeah. um, how he's he's defined by his honesty. He's always. He's always, mm. always honest. Honor versus honesty, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, and and with this, he's sort of whenever he's had a big decision like this to make, he's always gone with tell the truth, and I think that is in character that his go-to position is always tell the truth. <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah. he's doing it again. So um, yeah, and this is yeah. what leads to the issues later on. Um, yeah. Then we move to the sort of strategy room. Well, I was quite surprised to hear that only half of um, of the army's gone. Considering yeah, what we saw it, last week, I thought, <laughs> exactly. crikey, that, that's 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 um, that's, that's a lot. remarkably good outcome considering what I was expecting at the end of the last episode. Yeah, well, given that there were a solid ten minutes of a, a newly resurrected army and renewed and replenished army of the dead, presumably standing quite close to the half of the army that survived the first bit, <laughs> what were they doing? Were they just sort of going, "How are you? All right." Yeah, I'm dead now, are you? I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Is it good? Pay well. Does it not? Well, yeah, I should have a word with them. You know what I mean? Like, like, just sort of, what were they standing there having a cigarette and a cup of tea together? How did you... Or, where were the other half of the army? And once again, we come back to my desire for them to put some fucking establishing shots in episode yeah. three. Just yeah, where that's, that's were it, yeah. they, the rest of this army? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced half the Dothraki survived. That ch- <laughs> yeah, yeah, bloody <laughs> hell! Like they mentioned the Dothraki there, and you're like, <laughs> did they? My, how? Where did they go? Did they just miss? Did they just gallop off into the wilderness and then come back at the end of the battle looking a little bit sheepish, going, nobody tell her, all right? Nobody tell I don't get... She's Khaleesi, and we're supposed to be fucking badasses, and we've just gone to Molestown for a bit of a shag around, all right? We're not telling her. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, apparently half the armies are still still there. Um, and this is one of the moments where I, I thought Daenerys makes a mistake in that everyone's telling her 
that that Cersei's getting weaker by the day. That you've now got the Dornish are back on the side. They've they're raising Just, an army. Like- um, like you do. The Iron Islands are yours again, so they're coming over. So why don't we wait and rest up and then head down in a bit? And Daenerys is basically like, nope, two episodes left, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it though, isn't it? So not only will I be leaving now, I will also be engaging the magic season seven and later hyperloop that enables me to get from the north to the south of Westeros in two minutes rather than the 30 days previously described. Let's go! <laughs> Yeah, so so the new plan is to just lay siege to the city, um, surround it, stop any sort of relief getting in by boats by using the dragons. We'll see how that works later, uh, and that that will be the the way that they sort of grind Cersei into the ground. Um, yeah. So that also avoids sort of the sack of the city, which is what they're trying to trying to to not yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so that's the plan. Back over yeah. to the Godswood. Uh, basically, Arya and Sansa tell John that we don't trust your queen. We don't trust Daenerys. Uh, this is the moment where John's working out. You know, do I say it? Do I not? And Bran's just sort of nope. So he's like, "Do what you want." Fucking shit. <laughs> that is exactly what he does. Bran nopes out. Subtext of the entire last three episodes of this series. I tell you, <laughs> I, I liked it in the in the previous scene, the strategy bit where they've gone right. This is our strategy. This is our plan. Um, let's just check it with our chief of intel, who knows everything. Bram, what do you reckon? And it's just he's just got a Bran is out to lunch sign. Like, no, not interested. <laughs> On his face. <laughs> yeah. like, Sorry, come back later. And, and, yeah, and, and, it, anything yeah. to add, Bran? Anything about where you know Euron's fleet might be or anything like that? No. No, I cannot be asked. I'm not interested I'm in not, any of this now. Work it out. All right. yeah. Well, this is an interesting thing, because you could say that he's got very little to give them in terms of going south, because there's no weirwood trees down there, aren't there? If hmm. the Three-Eyed Raven is supposed to only be able to see through the eyes of weirwood trees. But yeah. in the TV series, we've already seen that that is not the case, because he gave it the old chaos is a ladder, and that yeah. happened in the throne room, and there was no weirwood tree in there. True. Which just means that he has decided that the best thing for him to do is to withhold vital intelligence on the forthcoming war. And that seems to me to be a little bit weird. Yeah, maybe he just thinks that maybe there's something about getting involved makes more problems than it otherwise would be at all. Maybe he's seen the last episode effectively and thinks that's a decent <laughs> win. Let's keep it as it is. Let's keep it going. Uh, who is it that dies before then? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine, <laughs> fine. Life goes on, doesn't it? Um, I like how when John does reveal this who he is he basically says you know if i tell you you can't tell anyone else which is the death knell of any secret that's how to all the sound of the entire audience <laughs> smacking their foreheads with their palms i did you did i was i frustrated with this because i didn't want him to do it and it was clearly a stupid thing to do or was i frustrated with it because because it was nonsense like is it consistent with the character and i just don't like that character or was it bad storytelling to you it was what the fact that he told the fact that he he told him like i don't i don't see why he had to do that except to set up the the conflict that they now clearly need between him and daenerys by the way they're still not bothering to activate the we are related bit of this (laughs) Uh, but 
Anyway, sorry. Am I nuts? Like, am I frustrated with this for the right reasons, or should I give him more rope? I think I, I did buy the fact that he would look at Sansa and Arya, these two family members he's been so close to, especially Arya, and think, yeah. I can't I can't keep a secret like this from from my family, and I need to trust that they won't take it further. Um, yeah. As much as we disagree with it, I do think that is the kind of thing that he would do. I think I don't, I don't yeah. think it's... I, I didn't think thinking about John in the seven seasons before this, this is something he wouldn't do. It, it, it mm. did feel in keeping with what he would do. Mm. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, no, I can see that. I just... Um, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. I'm now trying to remember Jon Snow's entire story and keep it in my brain for these last few episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and actually, that's a point worth making about this length of storytelling as well, is that... To the extent that Game of Thrones is one story, it's one story that's taken place over 70 hours of storytelling on TV. Mm. And I can't think of another time when I've watched a story told at that sort of length. Most things top out of five or six series, right? Yeah. So, like, so it feels, yeah, maybe I should be more, more giving them more time than I'm giving them um, because I'm not sure anybody's ever worked out to tell stories of this length mm. this way before. Um, yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. You've got me grudgingly back on board the ship. <laughs> uh, with Tyrion and Jamie chatting um, just before they're about to sort of go their separate ways, and their little catch-up is um, gate-crashed by Bronn, who bursts in with a crossbow. This scene had me on the edge of my seat for the whole lot. Yeah, because me too. But Bronn's still doing his, like, you know, sardonic, friend, like, kind of friendly, jokey, like, quips but i entirely believe that at any moment he might shoot one or both of these characters yeah me too absolutely and and never mind the fact that he fires off a shot for effect and crossbows aren't that easy to reload it's not like they're semi-automatic yeah um but um yeah i i was on the edge of my seat as well and I think that is testament to the staging and to the fact that it would feel like a very Game of Thrones thing to do to have Jamie or Tyrion particularly killed in this scene. Mm. Um, and except that, once again, I have to accept Bronn got here by Hyperloop and Bronn has a good enough reason to kill these characters. I mean, maybe maybe he is just as deep as, 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 as a, a shallow puddle. And maybe he's just been given the money and told to go and do it. But he clearly has contempt for what he's been asked to do. Mm. And, you know, this fucking family. Um, but nonetheless, he's up there in the cold north, surrounded by armies commanded to a certain extent by either of these two with a crossbow going, you know, fucking have it. I would have thought Bronn would just go to the beach somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, I, th- I, I think Bronn's kind of like Littlefinger in the... Um, he's got one clear goal and mm. his decisions are always informed by... Does it get him closer to this goal? And he wants to basically end the series with the biggest castle he can. So yeah. he's, he's gone up here and he's thought, well, I've got this promise of a one of the best castles in the kingdom, but yeah. she might lose. Now, I, I do buy the fact that he's when he says, yeah, she, it looks like she's going to lose, but if suddenly you know her hand turns up dead, a few of her key gen- generals start getting picked off, you know, then the tide might yeah. start to turn. And then yeah. when he's offered a better prize, he's got to make it as sort of a gambling decision, hasn't he? And he thinks, yeah. overall, now that the offer that he's got from Tyrion makes it worth him 
going this way instead, and he's entirely always led by the money. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I thought again, that is what the last seven seasons have taught us about Bron. That is entirely what he's yeah. all about. <laughs> that's that's actually true, isn't it? He's a perfect fit for the the Lannister family, whose solution to anything <laughs> is just to buy people off. He's yeah. like, I am available to the highest bidder. Bid me. Um, what does he end up being offered here? Was High it- Garden. High Garden. Fucking Highgarden, <laughs> Sabron of Highgarden, yeah. brilliant. All right, great, cracking. Well, and I, I like, I liked how Jamie was incredulous about this. Like, he's, he's just a cutthroat, <laughs> and 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 Bronze basically says, "So's everyone when they start out. That's how your ancestors got what you got, and that's how everybody yeah. else got what they got. At some point, yeah. someone's got to kill a load of people, and then in this system, you got to kill yeah. a load of people, and then you get a reward, and then your sons keep it for as long as you can." Yeah. That's an uh, excellent point, and I did like Jamie Lannister, who is still very much the entitled trust fund kid, getting <laughs> yeah. that smacked on his head. You know what I mean? Like, you're not better than me. Mm. My money's just as good as yours is, pal. You know <laughs> what I mean? And and quite rightly. Um, I, that, was, that was actually quite an interesting thing that made me think of. Something that a friend of mine said the other day is that he was hoping that w- the end of Game of Thrones would be the end of monarchy. That, mm. like... That, that this sort of, all of this chaos would lead to, you know, somebody just deciding that the Iron Throne wasn't the right way to do things. And he wasn't doing it in that sort of like, you know, America and apple pie, there should be democracy everywhere type thing. He was doing it more in a sense of George Martin never ends a season where you think it should. And if we if this had been about the Iron Throne, it'd be a very George Martin move to tear it down. And this this scene did feel like quite a good anti aristocracy argument, mm. you know, of uh, you know undermining the the basic functioning of this system, so to speak. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there has been some foreshadowing for that insofar as like Daenerys talking about breaking the wheel rather than sort of moving yeah. it. Yeah. And, and yeah. also when Tyrion was talking to. Daenerys last season about you know what follows when you die there's different systems of governing and things like that but that would depend on Daenerys winning and I'm not sure by the end of this episode I'm convinced that the season's going to end that way that the series will end with her (laughs) on top with her on the throne yeah Mm -hmm. um or at least a benevolent version of her on top we say yeah um yeah oh something you'll be excited about uh (laughs) Uh, the Hound and I are heading off on a road trip again. Um, for a walk are they? <laughs> I, sh- I mean, at least they've got a destination in mind at this point. But um, uh, I, this did feel a little bit sort of like getting the band back together. A little bit slightly more fan service than I would have liked. Just kind of like, they were great together. Let's put them back out on the road themselves. Mm. You know, Ari has had this experience of being horrifyingly uh, vulnerable and then becoming a member of the pack again. And now her response to that is to get shagged once, get pissed no times, kill an undead monster, and then go back for seconds. Uh, <laughs> really? Although maybe this is just where the story is supposed to end up with her. You know, she's mm. she's she's not a lady. She's not going to be in Westeros in in Winterfell forever. So she's just got to go and do whatever she does. I think um, I think they're going to fast travel to King's Landing. So I don't worry about the, the walking <laughs> into the. Uh, again Uh, we've got uh, the dragons taking off and the thing that really struck me here even on the first watch is just how how injured Jon's dragon is 
Um, mm. It sort of it takes off and it's kind of wob- doing a bit of wobbly flying. It's got a couple of holes in its wing. It's 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 yeah. pretty banged up as it is. Um, yeah. So we have this chat between Sansa and Tyrion, uh, where Tyrion's basically saying, "Come on, um, you, we need to have decent relations, and you're going to be the the main power up here because John's going to spend a lot of time in the south." And Sansa's still not up for this. She tells Tyrion, "You're afraid of her." Um, from the way that he's speaking. And yeah. um, I think because he says something like, don't provoke her. And that is yeah. the kind of thing that people who are in sort of, I don't know, positions where they're afraid of someone and it's not a particularly yeah. healthy relationship. That's the kind of thing that yeah. someone would say, no, don't, don't, don't provoke her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to be indicative of a broken, you know, that's that's a sign of get out of that relationship. Mm. Um, and I again... I'm I'm not sure how good I feel about this. Like if the point of Daenerys' entire journey is to is to have at the at the very last have her slump into you know um being crazy essentially. Hmm. I think that's a bit cheap. I think given the breadth of the journey if the whole point of it with all its undermining you know, normal tropes about what female characters in fantasy novels do and are. Um, if the point of it is to get to this point where the dramatic tension is being driven by, here's a woman, she's acting mental. Don't provoke her, otherwise she'll act more mental. Uh, it just, it feels, it's disappointing. Mm. I'd say two things in defense of that. One is that I think the uh, questions over her, Daenerys' mental state uh, counterbalanced in terms of feminism by, and in terms of the fact she's a woman by the fact mm. that Sansa is very clear-headed and, and sort of the opposite of Daenerys in that sense. That's a solid point. There's no, yeah, there's, there's no question. Of, it, despite everything that's happened to Sansa, there's no questions over her mental state in terms of her ability to think clearly and to act rationally. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, I think, I don't think these these concerns about her going, about Daenerys going crazy is because she's a woman. It's because of her family. It's because when a Targaryen's born, the gods flip a coin and half the time <laughs> yeah. they're nuts and half the time they're yeah. not. So if, yeah. you, if you're looking at someone who's got a very strong history of serious mental illness in the family yeah. you're going to be more yeah. concerned about their mental state than somebody else yeah uh, yeah I, within the story universe that makes sense i think it's the fact that it's all very gendered language like it's all it's all like it's i can't work out how meta this is and how undermining it is of the way that women are usually presented in other forms of media and other stories mm. so you're right there's much solid much more solid basis to be worried about this specific character in this specific environment um but then but yeah this 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 whole thing about kind of being led to be scared of the powerful woman just rubs me up the wrong way i would say so should you never do that? Should you never have someone who's a woman in this position? In terms of the plot? Yeah, could you never write a story yeah. about that? Because if you are, I would yeah. say, if you are going to write a story about that, this would be how you do it. This would be how you do it. You'd spend 70 hours setting up the fact that it's deep and complex and well-rooted and the rest of it. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a very, very solid point. I just, yeah, 
maybe I don't, maybe I'm still not going with it. Or yeah. maybe it's just, you know, just, you know, like give me a, like to put all that effort into it and then, you know, end in a place where if you zoomed out far enough, you might as well not have bothered, mm. I think is my, is my thing there. I just sort of want the, want the story told that well. But no, certainly, certainly not saying that you should you never tell a story where, where a female character can be flawed. That would be mm. nonsense. And of course, Game of Thrones is not that story. Um, but um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Solid point. But it's still, there's just a little bit of it sticks in my throat a little bit. Yeah. We have some goodbyes that John says in the courtyard. Uh, Goodbye. And so do we. They're all gone. All of these fascinating, interesting characters, they've all fucked off and they're not going to be in the story anymore ever again. This is what we get. <laughs> Tormund is the first to go. Um, I, I felt a real sense of sadness that he's he's leaving. Um, I was yeah. kind of pleased that it looks like he survived the entire thing. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah. I, I'm gonna miss him. He's been a, he's been a, he's been a good part of this series. Absolutely, and maybe I should get less pissy about it and start enjoying the fact that these characters I care about have all survived. Because we're not getting any more scenes with them, are we? Unless no, we get something really so. gratuitous showing them having been killed by the ice at the end of the at the end of the episode, the end of the series. Um, so, all right, is a load of characters that I quite like, whose characters whose character arcs I will no longer follow, but who, who all survived. And in mm. Game of Thrones, that should be a reason for great happiness. Um, Sam also does a, a farewell. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not convinced we we won't see Sam again. I think we'll probably will see Sam pop up at some point, but maybe at the very end. I still like the idea that he's going to write the history. Of he's going to write the history of it. Yeah. yeah, whilst wearing a pair of George R R Martin looking glasses. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, that's true. I think I'd be surprised if we didn't. I think possibly the point of this is having set up at the start of the episode how much personal loyalty John enjoys from from these different people. He's now seeing them all leave, and he's now leaving them behind as he heads south. Who does that remind you of? <laughs> leaving behind, uh, you know, somebody who's a man of the north and clearly respected because of his honourable approach to things, leaving behind all of the personal loyalty that keeps him in his place yeah. and heading south in order to deal with a mad monarch in the South. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Just something I gotta do. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it, isn't it? You know, Man's gotta do what a man's gotta do, or a man can't call himself a Stark and get killed in the second to last episode of a series. Yeah. Um, another parting which has got people going crazy, and I would also be angry at this if it wasn't for my preconceptions about pets but basically <laughs> john sort of sends ghost north ghost survived what by the, the way fuck is this? <laughs> he sends ghost north with Tormund, and then it's it sort of yeah the, the, the limit is like a just a curt nod to ghost as he yeah! <laughs> bugger me i mean and so so i think at this point we have to reach the conclusion that the makers of the tv series have drop the ball on the use of the direwolves in a way which is it's such a big bag full of storytelling <laughs> it's such a big bag full of possibilities and i get it you've got dragons so you're going to put the money into dragons although there's clearly a blank check for this series so i don't understand why you don't have them both but because the thing is that they're not just pet dogs they're supposed to be like psychically linked to yeah. each other you know there's this close relationship that makes Jon Snow uh, even more of a badass is having Ghost with him by the way Ghost nowhere to be seen when for example Jon is sneaking up on the Night King you know that's <laughs> the moment where Ghost should be with him and the fact that he's not 
is not addressed in the narrative, which means they just decided not to do it. And this, as a farewell scene, just felt like, well, why have you spent the money on him before now, then? Why not just have him killed when John gets killed? You know what I mean? Why not just, you know, any other point, why put all this effort into it if you're going to have this great story potential thing and then just not use it? Hmm. Um yeah, so I, I was I was with the online community on this question. Like, I'm I'm far more of a pet man than you are, obviously. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I was more like I was more like, what are you doing? He was great. Ghost was fantastic. MVP. Yeah. But now he's off but, to the north. He's, yeah. he's gone to gone to live on a farm, Matt. That's what he's done. They've sent him to live on a farm. <laughs> There's lots of space for him to run around. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Because when um when it happened, and it's like this 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 close pet that. John's had since it was a puppy and has grown up with him and the way he A he gets rid of it and the way he does it is just sort of a nod as he leaves. And my thought was, yeah, that's probably pretty much how I'd be with a, <laughs> a pet dog as well. I'm just so it's not your a theory It's <laughs> your theory that Jon Snow never really wanted a pet dog. Yeah. And he's been putting up with him this yeah. entire time. If, if and anything, now he's seen an opportunity a bit to get rid of him. him. <laughs> never quite comfortable with him in the room. Never is like, is he gonna go for the face? I feel like he's gonna go for the face. He's a fucking wolf. He's gonna go for the face. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he's still in it's it, they've filmed it so just to sort of maybe show John it, again is is leaving a lot of the his northern starkness and he's taking on more of his Targaryen side, but yeah, yeah, I I I do in all seriousness entirely agree that it's it, this was it was poorly done the stuff with ghosts yeah. and yeah. the fact that they just didn't do it because they didn't have the money for the CGI is it doesn't feel like it feels feels like it rings false to me that. Yeah, um, like just just drop it out, or just you know have them kill. You know we've got rid of loads of other direwolves. Just do it earlier. You know what I mean? And carry him all this way, and then what's he going to do? Is he going to do the fast travel thing to King's Landing as well? Turn up in the nick of time, <laughs> wrestle it. You know, clearly he's not. He's been sent north of the wall, so you know, game over. Hmm. I liked the um, the mock up poster coming soon on HBO. Tormund and Ghost, the series. <laughs> That's incredible. Turner and Hooch, but in the snow. I would watch that. I would watch that all day. Yeah. Um, we then go on to the boats. Mercedes and Grey Worm just hold hands, reminding us that they are just one day from retirement. <laughs> I did think that with this scene, I was like, kind of, you can't do that two episodes in a row. That's. <laughs> We all know what's going to happen now. Yeah, you're doing your smiles and hand-holding at least two episodes too early here. (laughs) Yep. Then we go below decks to Tyrion and Varys talking. Um, Oh, yeah, because did we mention (laughs) Sansa let slip to Tyrion almost straight away? That is um, about Jon's secret. I did think when, when Sansa did that, she sort of turns away and then says Tyrion to tell him. And I thought, he's already going to be gone and she's missed a chance, but he's still there. And she tells no, him. No. Um, yeah. And now, now Tyrion tells Varys and Varys says, how many people know? And Tyrion says, eight. And I like how Varys says, it's no longer a secret. It's information. It's out. Yeah. It's just how yeah. we deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's true. Although that is also the sort of argument that Varys would make, isn't it? To sort of get everybody past a contentious thing. Yeah. and get them to where he wants them to be. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I just, it was so inevitable. And I just hate the feeling that the storytelling that's being put in front of me is driven by inevitability. Mm. It feels very sort of like, oh, right then. Yeah, I, I did like the fact that it's you know, we're seeing what Daenerys was warning about, which is how it just takes a life of its own, and now Varys yeah. is starting to talk about, and he goes further later on, but starting yeah. to talk about maybe John would be the best bet in terms of the king. Yeah, um, maybe we should start thinking about that, and suddenly yeah. things are beginning to. Daenerys's position is becoming even more undermined. Yeah, by our own fucking advisors. Are you kidding me? And, mm. like, how quickly... No, Varys serving the realm has been well set up. That's reasonable. And Tyrion doesn't jump on board with this plan in this scene, so fair enough. But it's still, like... How quickly her support has drained. Mm. For reasons that aren't wholly clear to me, really. Like, there's an alternative, and suddenly everybody's like, Oh, an alternative? Fantastic. She's been a placeholder this entire time. Mm. You followed her a long way for a placeholder. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, so we then then we have this uh, ambush. So we see that Daenerys is on the dragons on one of them, and the other one gets shot out of the sky as Euron appears. Um, I mean, it was it, it was a, I we sort of jumped as we were watching that, and yeah. it's suddenly like. The uh, the dragon gets hit, goes crashing yeah. down, and then Daenerys yeah. sort of goes into a dive to actually attack the ships and pulls yeah. out at the last minute when she realises it's, it's suicide. Yeah, to attack them from the front, mark mm. you. Like, also, did they not, like, could you not have gone around the side? Like, I, I get, like, the only way you could do that, that there's a fleet of ships here as a reveal is by having the camera at sea level, which mm. is where the dragons weren't. Like... How have you not? How do you not see this? Hmm. Is my question. And then Daenerys, again, it's Daenerys being kind of maddened with grief is the reason that she does the dive bomb. I get it, but equally, the whole time I was just like, go around the side, go around the side, go, go. hit them from the side, and you can still burn them in into little chunks. Oh, I, th- um, I thought I thought the big the big crossbow things are a bit like anti aircraft guns; they can turn around as much as you'd, you'd need to. Although it'd be useful to actually have seen that. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I mean, that was my thing. That hasn't been set up, you know. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of them have been made as well. I note. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> there are now a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, the, uh, Euron then sort of focuses them on the on the ships uh, on the fleet of Daenerys's and causes all manner of havoc, which ends with yeah. uh, Varys and Tyrion sort of crawling onto the beach at Dragonstone. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just remembered something. Um, this this scene, Dave, where, as what I just described has happened, gives fuel to one very specific fan theory. Do you remember what it is? No, 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 which one? Well, I would say the fact that one of these characters has swum all the way to Dragonstone, one of the bold characters... Suggests that Varys <laughs> is in fact a mermaid. <laughs> Varys is a mermaid. That will. T- I don't care what happens in this series. That is one of my favourite fan theories. That's head cannon for life. Varys is a mermaid. This is the smoking gun, Dave. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and the thing is, you, it's a bit, it's a bit slippery. Like I'm not sure you could really argue against it. <laughs> yeah. Except for the fact that he doesn't have a tail, and <laughs> it, at the very least, merman, surely. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's almost drained, but that's just for show, really. He just sort of... that's he's just he was having a vigorous morning constitutional. <laughs> it starts to happen, and he's like, "Right, here we go." Although, actually, God, Matt, this is a thing. This actually might explain why I saw Tyrion jumping off a ship in full armor, as far as I could tell. And I'm thinking, well, clearly you're not surviving that, are you? Like that? And I was for a moment, I was pretty pissed because I was like, "This is Tyrion is dead." Mm. Oh, oh! They, 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 they also Tyrion, they also I'm did impressed. the yeah they also did the crushed by the mast routine, which made him yeah. like who died, yeah. which he which he survives mm. somehow. Um, so that would explain Varys is a mermaid. Would explain why that happened if he's seen Tyrion and pulled him out from underneath the thing. He's knocked out by the <laughs> knocked out by the mast. Oh. But you pull him out of there, swim over. It all Honestly, up. it's as reasonable as some of the shit we've seen go down in this plot over the last <laughs> few episodes. <laughs> Um, we've also got Grey Worm running around on the sand because Missendi's missing in action. Um, cut to Cersei at King's Landing. Cersei's yeah. doing a doing a Saddam Hussein, but a human shields. She's bringing all the uh, all the small folk into the castle. Um, I thought you were going to say she's getting, she's finding a load of really well put together doubles, like putting together a really <laughs> yeah, good load of good. doubles. Um, yeah. She also says to Euron, you know. Our child will rule the seven kingdoms, so she's she's sort of pretending that Jamie's kid is in fact his now. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't suppose Euron would care either way, to be honest. As long as enough people believe that that kid's his, he'll be more yeah, than yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's hardly one to be like fidelity is one of the things I've built my life around as an Iron Islander. Yeah. Um and it turns out Missende's been captured. Captured. Bad days. Bad times. Bad times, and she was only a day from retirement as well. Exactly. Um, so Daenerys is now planning all-out assault. I assume they've sent a raven from King's Landing to say, "Look who we've got, Miss Endy." <laughs> Presumably, yeah. she's important to you, because <laughs> you're yeah. um, So Daenerys is saying, "Right, we're going to go in, all guns blazing, all dragons blazing." All dragon, all dragon, all dragon singular blazing. <laughs> I saw online someone have put um, like an American like comment, like sport commentary style. Daenerys currently blown a two, a three dragon lead. She's at the bottom of the ninth, blown a three dragon lead. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I felt like they dispatched of that dragon a bit too quickly, but then then it was weak after last time and. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to bring it down to Daenerys having the only dragon available, which makes her both vulnerable and also subtly more powerful. And yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. fine, fine. Yeah. So they've um, they've got to wait a fortnight for John to show up because he's going on foot. So in the meantime, they're going to sort of send some like envoy to Cersei to to see if she'll surrender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I wonder how that's gonna go. Hope springs eternal. Eh? <laughs> um. Then we have this this second scene with Varys and Tyrion, where it's clear that Varys is moving away from Daenerys, um, and he says that you know John John's the perfect one to go for. He really is this sort of like uniting fire and ice, you know, Targaryen yeah. and Stark, all this stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, in a way, you could see this scene as Varys is speaking some dangerous but kind of hard truths 
and Tyrion yeah. is slowly realizing that maybe he is on the wrong side, but can he can he bring himself to change his mind? And also, you know, can can he throw Daenerys under a bus now? Is she really that bad yet? Has she done anything that really deserves that? Yeah, and I think that's important as well, isn't it? Because he, Tyrion doesn't betray people on principle because that's exactly what his father and his sister always did. Hmm. And so I th- and and he was he was in fact directly betrayed by them, and so it's he's got more of a stake in that than anybody else, um, and that's the real dilemma for him. But I did feel like he was sort of led there by the hand in a way that left him no option but to do it, and you know again that felt the storytelling of that wasn't great for me. Hmm. Yeah, I get the feel. I if I was to make a prediction now. And I think this I think this this podcast might go out roughly the same time or shortly after the next episode, so <laughs> I may have been proved wrong already. <laughs> but I, I get I get the feeling Tyrion's gonna shop Varys here and Varys is gonna you get reckon? Varys is gonna get executed because Tyrion gives him up. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna break Daenerys' way, Ty- uh, Tyrion. Ooh, I mean that's an interesting one, and I think that would be Yeah. That would be tough, because I, as I say, I admire Varys's, like, Varys's focus on the whole realm, including the people who aren't noble. Mm. Whereas Tyrion is still, albeit as a character I like, playing the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. So I sort of, but I think you might be right there. I could definitely see that happening. Then again, given all the questions I had at the end of the last episode, coming into this episode, none of which were answered because they went in a different direction. We might never find out. <laughs> Maybe the last scene is is. Tyrion and Varys walking away, you know, hand over somebody's shoulder, saying, "I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship." You know, like mm. maybe, maybe that's maybe maybe that won't happen at all. Maybe they'll go in a different direction. But I definitely see it. I think that the biggest thing that made me f- feel that Tyrion is beginning to think he's picking the wrong side is one of his when he advances the argument. Oh, does anyone really care who sits on the Iron Throne? You know, the small folk. And I thought mm, that is really undermining your entire argument your here. entire premise <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if you say yeah. no it doesn't matter anyway then it probably means you don't think that you're backing the right person yeah yeah okay here we go dave this is a this is a scene which i had a problem with and i know uh, you did um, yeah. and on second watch i think it may be more it's not been told well rather than it couldn't. It, I think it think it could have happened, um, and made sense. But the way it was done didn't. I'm talking about Jamie heading like heading off to King's Landing. So what happens is Sansa's in, Sansa's having a chat with Brienne. Jamie comes over. Sansa says, uh, "Yeah, there's this been, there's been this ambush, and we've lost a load of ships, um, and." Yeah, I, I wish I could have. And then Sansa does a bit of a gloat and says, I would have liked to kill Cersei myself, but it looks like Daenerys is going to. And then Jamie decides <laughs> That's to fucking famous up. last words, ep five, isn't it? <laughs> Deary me. Episode four even, two episodes left, and she's going, she's basically dead already. Yeah. Uh... So J- Jamie suddenly then decides to do sort of a walk of shame, uh, middle of the night, just get out and, and head down to King's Landing. What did you make well... of this? Oh, it was. <laughs> oh. Should we just leave oh. it at that? <laughs> leave it at that. It was. I tell you what. It was. It was 
there's no reason why Jamie fundamentally shouldn't act in this way, like based on what he's been like as a character. Um, you know, changing his mind, being weak, being fanatically devoted to Cersei. We've all had those set up, but all of those have been superseded by very significant events that have happened in his life. Not least sleeping with Brienne, but also knighting her, also fighting for the living against the dead, also being given a chance to do that by the Starks, who had no reason to do anything other than kill him. Um, He's come all this way north, and we haven't had anything between him and Cersei since he left, like, acrimoniously. He fought for her, he nearly died for her, he left in acrimony. But then there's this thing that happens. Actually, there's not. That's the problem. Nothing happens to make him do this. Yeah. Except the possibility that she's going to die, which presumably he already knows. He just saw a massive army leave. Um, like, But that is enough to make him undo his walk back his entire character journey over, over a long time and go to she's hateful and so am I. And that's a good line, but a terrible explanation. Mm. Because... He's been working so hard to prove that he's not largely because of the trust placed in him by the woman who, you know, Oathkeeper. He gave her a sword called Oathkeeper. He's the Kingslayer. He's the guy that broke his oath. He's, you know, Brienne's such a significant character in his life and in his character arc. And then he overhears that there's going to be some death possibly in the area of his sister. And it just all evaporates. And, uh, you know, you've set up the dilemma, but do more than just have him go, oh, shit, I hadn't realised battle meant death. <laughs> yeah. Done. It did feel like that. It felt like he's seen the armies go off. He's seen everyone talking about regime change. <laughs> and then it's taken Sansa to say, and then when she dies, oh, hang on a minute, they're going to kill Wait, whoa, her. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Although we're not using rubber swords for this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I um, yeah, I came out of that scene in exactly the same as you, thinking, what's changed? Why is yeah. he suddenly feeling needs yeah. to go and save her now, when presumably he already knew that she's going to she's going to die? Now, I think the story they were trying to tell is that I I also the first time I watched it didn't get why Sansa says we've just had a massive setback in our attempt to win this war, and then thus follows, let's have a gloat about how serious is going to die. But I think that what she's basically saying there is because of this attack at sea, it means the siege isn't going to happen. We're just going to go in all guns blazing and and raise the city uh... to the ground. But, so I think that's that's what it's trying to tell you. I don't think it tells you it very well. And even Shit, so, no. I don't think it's... I mean, presumably, like you say, Cersei was going to die one way or another here. So quite why Jamie suddenly decides that he's got to save her. I mean, it is it's him. It, it's supposed to be him picking sort of old Jamie over new Jamie, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, um. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite get this. It, I got the feeling, to be honest, that there's you know George Martin gave all these bullet points about this is what happens at the end. I yeah. I've got a suspicion one of his bullet points is Jamie does something with Cersei down there. Either he dies defending yeah. her or he kills her or yeah. she kills him. Something happens yeah. there and they've looked at it and thought, shit, we've got to get him down there now. So it just yeah. happens. Do you know, I was going to say that earlier on about the Bran storyline as well, where like they, I think they had a bullet point that says Bran's the, Bran's the bait in the Weirwood yeah. uh, grove. And um, 
and but they just left him out for all of season six because they had nothing else to do with him. They just needed that he need, knew that he needed to end up there, and that Hodor needed to have his name explained. Yeah. And actually, and I, it really does feel like that, doesn't it? And um, and that, if so, that it's really sad to discover that Weiss and Benioff don't have the imaginative power of George Mine. Maybe nobody does. You know, maybe mm. that's unreasonable, but. George Mine is making complicated stories and undermining expectations and subverting tropes and all the rest of it. And Weiss and Benioff are just working from a fucking bullet list of, oh, right, um, I don't know, lads on tour? Anyway, get him down there. <laughs> I do feel, right. yeah, I do feel a bit for those two in that yeah. I think a lot of the problem, I think some of the problems in the in this end of the series should really be laid at. George Martin's door because yeah. they because he doesn't they, know they basically, yet. Yeah, yeah, the, the show the show would have signed up to adapt his books, and yeah. the, it's turned into an entirely different project. <clears throat> sort of make it up as you like finish his story for him because he's yeah. been unable to do it himself in the, in yeah. this time. And I, and I do think yeah. that is that that is a regardless of what I, I mean there's a good chance i think that this is the only ending we're going to get of game of thrones yeah but, yeah um, yeah which is why we've been doing the tv series because we want some yeah. fucking closure yeah <laughs> yeah quite yeah um but even if it isn't it's just yeah i think it's a failing on the part of the author to not finish the book in in the time that has been set but, yeah, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, written, he's written a better series of books than I ever will. So be, <laughs> I mean, I do feel like that. Never having written, you know, a multi-volume epic, I sort of, I feel I don't have very many stones to throw. But I think, you know, you are right. It's almost kind of sad that HBO came to him when they came to him, when he was that many books away, to adapt it and press go on it. And, you know, then it became this galloping success. Hmm. And they've delayed it, I suspect, for as long as they can without ruining the story. And we're already sitting here going... I can't remember what happened in series two. Yeah. So if they'd have delayed it any more, I think the story would have just sagged and it just wouldn't have wouldn't have been a cohesive piece of storytelling at all. Yeah. Um so it's just you know, maybe it's nobody's fault. Maybe it's just, you know, timing emerged. But but equally, it does feel like George has made some funny decisions with the books, like splitting a feast for crows and the dance with dragons in half with all those characters. Yeah. Um but also, you know, then saying here are the only saying here are the bullet points rather than. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, well, who am look, I to say? I, I yeah. remember reading Dance with Dragons when it came out, and it was, I'm almost certain, shortly after series one came out. Was it really? So, cer- certainly wasn't. So it's after been series seven two. years. It was around that time. Really? So, so he's had a oh, fair no. bit of time to finish this off <laughs> we've not even had another book let alone two like the next one that's it I don't need a dream of spring just the winds of winter you know yeah but Dance with Dragons took six years to appear as well yeah so there you go anyway um, Jamie heads off um, too much too, too much disappointment on our um <laughs> <laughs> too much popcorn thrown from the cheap seats at Winterfell yeah then we have Daenerys with her sp- tiny group of unsullied outside i mean is that all that survived now after the attack on the yeah. ships do you think so That's yeah it. well it's a great question and again without establishing shots or lines of dialogue like i just want a bit more exposition really like yeah you're showing me that is that her whole army because if it is she's fucked or is that just one detachment of unsullied from everybody else that came ashore and where are the dothraki did they get killed on board the ships you know what yeah. i mean like i, I don't know 
Yeah, yeah, that is that has been a, a bit of a problem that you never really get the sense of the stakes in terms of the armies because you never really know what each side's got um, yeah. and how quickly they can replenish their army as well. It seems almost a bit sort of video game-ish sometimes. That. Um, Actually, that's a solid shout. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Tyrion and Kyburn do this <clears throat> short parley where um, Tyrion says, look, surrender. And Kyburn's Ky- saying, why? We've got a fresh army. We've got the city. You look tired. Uh, you've only got one dragon left and we've got the means of shooting that down. We're winning. Why should we Why should we surrender? Decent point. Mm. Um, so Tyrion then bypasses him and walks up to Cersei beneath, like, sort of shouts up at her. <laughs> Yeah. While Missendi's standing there, basically, this Kyburn's proposition is: you surrender, or we kill Missendi. No. Yeah. So Tyrion does another. Come on, Cersei, you got a kid. Don't do this. <laughs> I mean, How many times is he going to appeal appeal to a better nature that palpably does not exist? This is like trying yeah. to get Hitler to turn aside on the basis of a picture of a kitten. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it felt like. He's sort of yeah. After she's sort of after she's reneged on that promise, she's done him once with this. I've got a kid, so appeal to my better nature, and he's just making the exact same argument again. Yeah, come on, please. If you ask nicely, yeah. it just felt like a desperate. For, it's it's a. I suppose it's the actions of someone who's not sure of his his own leader and is yeah. just in a desperate situation, and maybe he's even yeah. sort of. Sort of subconsciously, just wanting to—it's almost like a suicide. This, because I, when he walked up to the walls, yeah. I thought I can't think of a, a way that he's possibly walking away from this. Yeah, I saw that happen as, as well, and I was kind of like, well, maybe this would be a fitting moment for Tyrion to die. I'd be sad, but um, but I could see Cersei doing that. Mm. Um, yeah, but she doesn't, so he he gets to live another day. Yeah. I wonder if Cersei secretly quite likes him because <laughs> whenever she <laughs> gets got a funny to, way of showing it, <laughs> yeah, she, she talks a big game about killing him. But whenever like yeah. she actually has the opportunity, she never does. Yeah. She just sort of leaves it. Um, someone she does have no hesitation in killing is poor Miss Endy, who she says, "If you got any last words, she shouts Dracarys, and then is killed." And yeah. Grey Worm sort of turns away in, in horror and Daenerys walks away and with an expression that says, oh, it's on now. It is yeah. on. Yeah. And I, I, there was a bit of me that wondered why, given that Cersei is, is the opponent, so all bets are off, why they didn't just fire all those massive anti-aircraft guns at her very depleted force. Oh, <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. Like, you just end it there. Is it If it's on... Probably, probably finish it there. Seriously. Yeah, it was very, it was very gentlemanly. This wasn't it because yeah. I also thought, how does I mean, Kyburn's move like a fucking whippet to get back in that castle because as soon as Vicente <laughs> dies, surely he gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the same with Tyrion. I assume, I assume what happens in the next couple of minutes, which we don't see, is Tyrion just walks back to the Unsullied without getting shot. Yeah, which um, which definitely seems to me like a Cersei thing to do. Yeah, all a bit strange at the end, but it does leave you thinking, right, 
I, I was I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, ready for the next episode. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah this no, whole, absolutely. The whole setup of this wasn't quite wasn't quite right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that phrase applies well to the rest of the episode. Um, like it just it left me feeling. I felt a bit on the hop, and I can't work out if it's because of the various narrative threads whose kind of roots I've really forgotten about. Threads have roots. Excellent. Welcome to Shark Liver Oil mixes metaphors all day. Um, you know, like the, the things that are going on here whose origins I don't really remember terribly well um, because of the time frame over which the the um, the story has been told. Um, or if it's because that story is now being told poorly. I don't really know which it is. I think it's... Um... I think the story is getting a little rushed now. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, enjoy, I really, like I said, I enjoyed the episode start to finish and I was, um, the first time I watched it, very sort of tense for the bits that I, sh- I think I should have been tense for. I was shocked when I should have been shocked. Um, but I do think when you do what we do and look back yeah. and analyse it, um, that's the bit that is starting to, to work less well than it did in the series past where it all held yeah. together so well and that was one of the great things about it. Now, yeah. it's a little bit more conventional as a TV show in that the more you think about it, the more it starts to pull apart. So yeah. um, so yeah. I would I would say, and I think that's what's going to happen in the last couple of episodes as well. It's going to, I think Game of Thrones is going to end as a fan, it's going to be one of the greatest shows ever on television and it's going to be a fantastic spectacle, but the the later the later seasons especially how it ends will yeah. will will sort of may be looked upon less favorably than it was when it started but yes it but, just yeah, yeah. Well, well i was just going to say it just feels thinner mm. and and this is i mean i've been i've been sort of sub subtweeting my friend caroline all the way through this episode because she made some excellent points and that was one of the points that she made was this sense of you know, now that it's outside of George Martin's head and it's just kind of been given to two guys who make TV, they're making TV out of it. Mm. And um, maybe we can't fault them for that, but it's definitely lacks the depth that the early series used to have and the way it all held together as narrative, you know, this really thick, chunky kind of narrative. Yeah. Um, It's just, it just sort of doesn't quite work the same way. The parallel, actually, I'd draw here is... um, uh, do you know the West Wing? Yeah, which was sort of like generated by the brain of of Aaron Sorkin, and on the hop as well, like the very opposite of a sort of deeply imagined story world. He'd make stuff up episode to episode, but it all held together because it was it was kind of being driven by his his idea of what he wanted this thing to be about, which even he was discovering as he wrote it. But he had a vision for what it was. And and it was quite it felt quite deep. And then he left at the end of series four. And series five is proverbially awful television because it just <laughs> became a soap opera. And it took them a little while. They did actually the showrunners sort of got back on their feet and made it into a different good show, not as amazing as the first four series, but the sixth and seventh series were really really good. And series five is just just breathtakingly bad. And um and it feels like that's what's happening here when you lose that sort of creator guy at the centre of it, when that it stops being that person's, you know, imagination that's driving it, mm. you kind of do lose a lot of what people were really falling in love with, which is kind of an extraordinary thing that one brain can reach that many other brains and it feels so cohesive. But that's what's been going on and that is what we've lost in these last series. I think. Yeah, I think the problem, part of the problem as well is when you get on the internet, it's always, 
you know one thing or the other isn't it and it's always one extreme or the other and i yeah. think even with even the show now even though it isn't as it hasn't got the depth that it had a few seasons ago i'd still yeah. put it up there as one of the best things on TV and a fantastic piece of television. It's not bad. It's not a bad show. No, no, no. It's and, not bad. It just hasn't lived up to its own high standard. Yeah, and that is it. why we're disappointed. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, I would say, I'm not even disappointed with it. I'm, I'm still really happy. I, I think if it ends at the standard it's at now, I'd still look back in it as a whole and be pretty happy, be very happy with it. But, oh, really? I, I, but I'd also accept that it isn't as as deep as it as it could have been early on but also i think it's it's an easy out for george martin to say while he hasn't written the other books it's easy for everybody to say oh it would be so much better because it would be everything that i imagine it could be because it's not been written whereas the problem that the guys making the show have got is they've got to actually put on screen what it is this is what yeah. we've got. Yeah. And everybody else is yeah. comparing that to whatever's in their own heads about how great they think the book would be when it's finished. Well, fine, but it Actually, it that isn't. is true. That is an excellent point, is that to hold them up to the standard of everybody's imagination, imagined ending. Because yeah. you, you can only have one ending, and you've got an audience of tens of millions of people with tens of millions of endings in their head. You know, mm. I'm, I'm, I happen not to be too devoted to the idea of Pod for the Iron Throne. Uh, so I'm not going to be pissed if that's what turns out not happening. But, Come um, on, it's still on. It's still on. The, he's still alive, though. Um, <laughs> but like, but others who are more invested in you know more conventional and sane ways, um, you know, I'd be perfectly reasonable for people to be like, yeah, that wasn't what I was asking for. Oh, Dave, um, Dave, yeah. what are we going to do if Pod does end up on the Iron Throne? Imagine. <laughs> Imagine if it does happen. That would be that'd be amazing. That would just would you have to do a proper podcast of me sitting here going, "Bring me your cryptic fi- fictional universes, and I will choose the character who will end on top of it." I am the definer. Bring them to me. Bring them all. I think- I'll even work out what Ridley Scott's going to do with the flipping um, Prometheus universe, the Alien universe. I'll even right. work that shit out. It'd be amazing, Dave. We're both having kids, right, this year. <laughs> That's true. Now, That's I true. think we should make a pact, just just sort of putting our better halves to one side. Between <laughs> us, if Pod ends up on the Iron Throne, both our kids, regardless of gender, whatever they're born, however they're born, are going to be called Pod. Going to be called Pod? Can we go for Podrick? I feel like calling him Pod is even, is, is even weirder. Yeah, the, okay. the baby was born and just sort of looked like it, it was from a sci-fi movie. So Pod, there we go. Yeah, or a, or a new metal band, I suppose. Yeah, Or a new metal band? Goodness me! Little payable on death over here. Um, all right, all right, here it is, here it is. Given that we're doing this on the palpably preposterous idea that we would just move past our significant others and give our children really ridiculous names. Absolutely. Great. Also, when I do it, I will backflip into the sun. Podrick. (laughs) Done. Oh, right. There we go. I I mean, if I I was Benny or Four Weiss now and I was here with this podcast, as I'm sure they listen... I was tempted to <laughs> Hello, lads. to go back and re-edit the final episode now to change just so it. Pod ends up just, on to, top. just to get this. For the bants. Yeah. Because top bants. Top bants. Um, okay. Um, that's what yep. we think of it. You say you've got a few comments to read through. Um, some I have. Correspondence. Uh, it's shoutlyroyal yes. at gmail.com. Um, 
Is it? No, Shortleveroyal yes. podcast at gmail.com. I've not said that enough. There either. it is. Um, or no. at Shortleveroyal on Twitter if you want to add yes. your own thoughts. So this one actually came through Facebook. Uh, so big shout out to Caroline, who has had some uh, extremely trenchant and fantastic views on the the uh, the episodes to this point. Um, uh, and she she's making I, I, the point she makes here, I think, is is great and is extremely well made. So it's it's a bit long, but I'm going to read it out. Um, so she starts. What is it with this show and the inherent misogyny? I mean, I don't even like Danny as a character, but why is John getting more recognition as a war hero than Danny does when he did absolutely nothing more than she did during the battle? Rather less, actually. She actually brought two armies plus two bloody dragons along with her. Hmm. Solid point, I feel. Like, John gets a lot of the praise. And, hmm. like, the, the thread that she pulls out here is incredible. She goes on to say, That celebration scene in Winterfell was every guy in the world getting praised for doing half what the woman next to him did, and trust me, we've all fucking been there. And then why is it such a problem that she would be stronger than him if they ruled together? Oh god, no, that would be terrible. She needs to die to stop that from happening. If this was just the dramatic tension of Westeros against Essos and the misogyny inherent in the setting, that's one thing. But the show is clearly leading us via Tyrion and Varys to side with Jon over Danny here. Danny is flawed as a person and a ruler, we know this, and that's interesting with a show full of flawed people, but it can't really be overemphasised that John would be completely fucking awful as a ruler. We've seen this time and again in the mistakes that he's made, which are the same mistakes that his father and brother made, and no one actually brings this up. The whole point of the series is that Stark men cannot play the Game of Thrones because they value their honour more than anything, and from the very beginning the series has constantly reinforced how much of a flaw that trait actually is. Hmm. I'd like to think that the showrunners are somewhat clumsily misdirecting us here, that they are setting up this misogynistic frame to then cleverly subvert it later on, which, this is my comment, absolutely would be what George Martin would do. She says, I'd also like to believe that they are misdirecting us, that the threat from the others is over. George R.R. R. Martin himself said the others could be seen as analogous to climate change, i.e. how we're so distracted by our day-to-day petty concerns that we ignore the huge threat to us as a species, so to vanquish them in one episode so that we can get back to our petty concerns really seems beside the point. But they only have two episodes left and I'm rapidly losing hope. I'm mm. so pissed off that I don't even have the energy left to do more than sigh over how Euron's fleet managed to completely surprise a navy that has fucking dragons, presumably <laughs> with sight. God, that's so unutterably stupid. Hmm. Um, what, what do you make of that? Uh, okay, it's for a few things to unpack with it. The first one that struck me, the, the stuff about John not being a an ideal person to rule the Seven Kingdoms, I think is a really good point. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he, it, it would be basically like putting Ned on the throne. And yeah. It, yeah and, think, and that didn't and, work last time. Actually, that's a really excellent point. We've already seen him sit on the Iron Throne and look very uncomfortable sitting there. Yeah, I suspect that part of Varys's um, sort of decision to like think, oh, John's a better a better bet, is because he would be. I think I think he's backing himself to be able to control him a bit more. He thinks he solid would. point. Yeah, but yeah. I, I also think if that's the case, he's mistaken because, as we've seen time and time again sort of honesty and honor sort of sort of defeats all for john doesn't it so yeah yeah so yeah i think yeah that's a good point the i mean we've talked about the daenerys um going crazy misogyny because she's a woman thing i I think I, i think it's more because of her family history than because of her gender and i do Mm. think that gives that that gives the sort of i can understand why 
people will be saying you need to be able to you need to be able to sort of temper and control Daenerys because of her family because Targaryens have two sides to them which mean that they can easily tip and it can be very bad for everybody so you need to be able to control that or at least limit it it's more an argument for some sort of you know um judicial or like separation of powers than anything else isn't it but i do yeah think it's which brings point. us to that whole thing about we're going to end with a democracy or, <laughs> yeah. or some other sort of like a greek style democracy yeah um i i thought i thought the the, the the point on that is definitely true although i think i would have liked if that's what they're doing i would have liked them to do more talking about how targaryens be crazy right hmm. um i think that would have balanced it up a bit the strength of the argument for me though is this is what was happening in that in that uh, feast scene yeah where where which she's absolutely right every guy in the world getting praised for doing half what the woman next to him did and that that just that felt like too deliberate a staging for that for it not to be a lead into some kind of subversion of it, but yeah. and I, I sort of hope that that's what's happening. Um, but I think I agree with her that we're currently being led to hope that she does lose. Hmm. I th- and, and I think that's not. Yeah, I thought that would, that scene was more about how people are like all the people in that room are all loyal to someone before her. Like uh, yeah. Tormund and uh, is sort of you know John's his guy, and mm. Ty- Tyrion in a way is still more loyal to Jamie because of their history, and yeah. the fact that it's it's kind of like do you know when you're watching England play football and you're always more keen to big up your team's players in that side because they're yeah. yours, and I think yeah. the the problem that Daenerys had was none of those people see her as theirs primarily. They've sort of, yeah. it's her position rather than who she, the people who are, the people who are devoted to her, like Jorah and Dario, uh, uh, aren't there anymore. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's part of, you know, a barrister would be the same. A lot of her yeah. most loyal people who would always sort of yeah. say, and and what about how great the Daenerys has been? They just—they're yeah. not there anymore, and and yeah. she's fine. She's surrounded by all these people who, in theory, support her, but in terms of sort of where their where their loyalty really lies in terms of character, they go back a long way with people who aren't her and don't really know her very well. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean I think that that is a decent point. Um, I I completely understand where the frustration is coming from in it as well. I'm interested in um what you think of this uh. Can the others be over after a single episode? Hmm. Can you see any way back for them? Yeah, I, I just actually just one more thing I want to say about that stuff in the in the in the feast is yes. I think it was a little bit contrived insofar as there was no Unsullied or Dothraki there who would have oh, yeah. who, who would have been immediately been surrounding her, and yeah. and they quietly like I said earlier on didn't have Grey Worm or Mycenae there. So a lot of her natural natural sort of primary allies aren't in the room, which is a bit a bit strange. Yeah, it's a bit weird that they wouldn't be as commanders of the force. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I mean, so we know we know that everybody's favourite Carnotaurus Dothraki guy <laughs> died. So the natural <laughs> Kono, Dothraki guy yeah. to be in the room. Kono, yeah. yeah fan favourite. Yeah. yeah, fan favourite <laughs> Kono. But um but why why Grey Worm and Mycenae aren't there, you know, I mean 
I mean, apart from the obvious that reason, sentence yeah. itself, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for storytelling purposes, um, it does make a bit more, a bit more sense, I suppose. Yeah. But I know. Um, the yeah. Well, what the, about the, the, the what do you make about this? The yeah. others being over, I like. I sort of that's a hail mary play for me. I so badly <laughs> would like there to still be others about, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they're gone, and I think. Um, I don't. I'd, I'd be interested to see how it ends in the books. I wonder if they'll do the same. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think these these last three episodes are really. They made the decision to say, look, Game of Thrones when it was at its best was all about like flawed characters going up yeah. against each other. It's not supposed to be like 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 Lord of the Rings where there's a big bad yeah. which everyone comes together to defeat. It's yeah. two sides who you're not entirely sure who to root for. That's when it's at its best, isn't it? When you've got two sides and you can sort of you can imagine why people would follow each side. Um and yeah. that's what they're trying to get back to you for the last three episodes. Yeah, I, I do I'm familiar with that sort of the White Walkers are like climate change. Yeah. And yeah. that doesn't track if it ends the way it does. But um, yeah. but I, I do think that Game of Thrones, without the sort of the battle with the others, is is the sort of the true version of of the of the of the yeah. story. At its heart, yeah. it's always been about this this struggle over who sits on the Iron Throne, and the yeah. others is all, all the White Walkers have always been a dangerous part, but sort of kind of a, just a really big side story. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? Because I've always I want that to be the big story, and it's positioned itself as the big story. Yeah, so. it's, the, it's, it's the first the first chapter of the first book is yeah, is yeah. the emergence of them, isn't it? So it is sort of yeah. central to it all. Yeah, but uh, and which is why it feels incongruous for it to just be over in a single episode. Yeah, but also. I mean, maybe it's going to be half of one of the books. <laughs> you know, who, who can say? Maybe George yeah. really is going to get into the bones of it. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think it's over. I think there's no there's no episodes left. So I think it's I think yeah that's done. I, th- I think I think the problem with it is there's two themes. It's it's two things that George Martin said, which can't both be true. Which on the one <laughs> hand, which are, basically on the one hand, the White Walkers are like climate change. They're they're this thing that. Is just, you know, it's just a, it's just a force that isn't, um, doesn't sort of have any kind of motive or anything like that. It's just something that's happening and needs to be stopped. And on the other hand, he's saying he's writing a series that isn't about overcoming some sort of force, some evil force that can't be reasoned with. It's a, it's yeah. about something a bit more sort of richer than that. Insofar as you don't have yeah. a bad and a, a good and bad, you yeah. have various different shades of grey well yeah that the two things that can't can't both exist because the climate change style others can't be the whole point of the book if the book isn't about defeating something yeah. that's just bad yeah yeah very or rather that it's about the inescapability of the the badness that is in all of us yeah you know like and, and the fact that you need to come up with ways to respond to that that aren't aren't only to do with violence because if they are you'll just end up with this endless cycle of violence Hmm. Um, which is a really interesting thing which they've set up really well and I think you're right the whole series is about that rather than about this so the climate change thing is a poorly chosen metaphor because you can't stab climate change in the back and make it go away yeah Um, so yeah yeah 
Okay. Uh, well, but thanks for that. That was, uh, yeah, that was great. Plenty to plenty Actually. to go off there. Please, um, yeah. please send some more messages like that. <laughs> was it Danny? Did you say? No, no, Caroline. no. Um, Caroline. Yes. Caroline, MVP of this of this episode yeah. for me was reading Caroline's thoughts afterwards and being like, "Oh yeah, she should be doing a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice one. Have you got, are there any others you want to? No, bring that's up? it. That's right. it. That's awesome. I have. Let me just bring up um, Emma from York says the misplaced coffee cup in episode four must surely be getting a mention. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it yet, but that's there was absolutely this whole, true. Yeah, yeah. So there was this whole um, stuff on on social media because there's one shot in this episode where there's a <laughs> there's a what's like a Starbucks coffee mug. <laughs> Literally in the middle of all yeah. the, like the tankards and stuff at the feast, um, yeah. which has been yeah. obviously an error in, in production. What did you make yeah. of that? I I felt so sorry for the production people that put this <laughs> together because, in a way, what it does is highlight how flawless it has been for you know seventy hours of TV yeah. in incredible complexity that we've never had a moment like this before. Now it's it's a howler, goodness yes, but I can totally see it. Like if it takes you all this time to film to film what you're doing. And you do some B-roll just to make sure the lighting's right, and then that ends up in the wrong person's edit uh, hard drive. Yeah. And it's the one that's best lit. Of course you put it in there. And you're not watching every moment of every scene, because you've got to bring it together from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage. Yeah. Um, no, apparently, though, it wasn't Starbucks. It was a, it was a local Belfast like like one-off coffee shop <laughs> that does its own shop. And I have to say, hats off. Absolutely hats off for not just calling Starbucks and getting to do a massive delivery, but working with a little, <laughs> well, whichever little coffee thing is. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. I think I think I hope they get more foot traffic as a result of being inadvertently shown on HBO. That would be great. <laughs> I saw a great mock-up of someone had like superimposed a, a Starbucks cafe into Winterfell, and the, the tagline <laughs> was "There must always be a Starbucks in Winterfell." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. Hats off. Um, what one thing I want to say about that was I, I heard a, a, on another podcast about uh, one of the issues might have been around that because they're so um, worried about leaks getting out about the show. Yeah. There aren't yeah, actually yeah, that yeah. many people looking the at the footage yeah. before it goes out, so it's yeah. easier for those sort of things to, to sneak through because you haven't got as yeah. many pair of pairs of eyes checking it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Totally, to- I can totally see that. Um, Kate from Sirencester says there are definitely not enough hours in the day. The only duo, <laughs> the only duo I know who can produce a review that's twice as long as the episode. <laughs> <laughs> are we coming up on that now? We're at a couple of hours, aren't we? we are, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah Kate, we I aim not to disappoint. We've um, we've done it again for you. <laughs> Uh, we've yes! managed to double the oh no the, the episode was like 70 minutes so we didn't quite manage it this time um I, but we, I'll level we've come you. i am comfortable with not putting in the extra 15 minutes i feel like we've reached a reached a natural ending point here yeah well there's one more there's an email shortliverallpodcast right. right. at gmail.com um not necessarily about game of thrones we prefer comments about that but we will take anything um <laughs> Dave, Major Dennis Hornbeck has gotten in touch. Oh, oh again, as easy back on the line. Um, Major Dennis says, I'm in the military unit here in Afghanistan. 
Um, the military unit, the, yeah. the one that's in Afghanistan. Yeah. Brilliant. D- just, just to be clear, this has uh, come out of our junk folder. I often peruse the Shark Live Royal podcast <laughs> junk folder just to make sure we're not missing any any key comments. Major Dennis tragically got shunted into this, so I've pulled it out. So Major Dennis says, I'm, I'm in the military... <clears throat> Shark Live Royal podcast, you missed that bit off, but that's implied. I'm in the military <laughs> unit here in Afghanistan. We have some amount of funds that we want to move out of the country. <laughs> do, you, do you, some, a certain number? My, my partners and I need a, a, the rest of the military, I presume, need a good, <laughs> need a good partner, someone we can trust. That this is the best bit. This is the bit that sort of pricked my interest, Dave. It is risk-free and legal. Hey, I mean, the, when you need to say that it's legal, that's how you know that it's really legal. That is a, the, the abovest of boards. Yeah. To get our hands on the funds, all we need to do is contact his email. Now, I would have expected Major Dennis Hornbeck would have some kind of military address. Major um, Dennis Hornbeck at mod.org.uk. Something like, yeah. Um, it turns out his address is hornbeckmajordennis635 at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. That military outsourcing's got out of hand now, hasn't it? <laughs> we'll all just use Gmail. We'll just agree to use Gmail. I think I think he's in for a Hillary Clinton style investigation when this gets out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank Major Dennis, um ahead of your impending sort of I don't know, grand jury investigation for using your Gmail account. Um <laughs> thanks for getting in touch. We will certainly consider your offer. Anybody else wants to make similar offers or talk about Game of Thrones, which is we always prefer, get in touch, sharkliverallpodcast at gmail.com or, as many have this week on Facebook, or you can get us on Twitter at sharkliveroil. Dave, it's that time. The That's sad fine. time we come to every week where, like Ghost, we have to wave goodbye. <laughs> Walk off into the north and never be seen again. Yes, until next week, actually. So we will be getting to grips with the penultimate episode, Dave, of Game of Thrones. It is, though, isn't it? Oh, my. Next week. Yeah. Until then. Until then. (laughs) Until then. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) hell.